Hi there. I would like to begin this episode by thanking five people, such as Jack Corrigan, Michael Greenwell, Phil McDowell, David Dunn, and Todd Bryanton. All five of these people have gone to patreon.com slash TV and supported this network. And for that, we are really grateful. You can be like them by going to patreon.com slash TV if you want to. Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Tyranny, which is a computer role-playing game developed by Obsidian and published by Paradox for the PC in 2016. Indeed. Uh, this is a sponsored episode mm-hmm. from David. David Poole. Yeah, thank, thank you, you David. David. Yeah, I finally mm-hmm. have an excuse to play this game. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> welcome yeah welcome um Um, and this is the first of two episodes about tyranny actually uh under kind of a loose theme for this december which is manageable manageable western rpg month yes Yes. uh what are the you know this is a very long genre Mm -hmm. uh what are the shorter entries yeah in this and tyranny is relatively manageable it's like a 25 hour game as opposed to a 60 our Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah, as opposed to Baldur's Gate 2, which gave me a white patch in my hair that I have to dye. Yeah. No, that's not yep, true. It's not like Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, you would, you'd love every fucking minute of it. You admit it. <laughs> admit it, filth pig. Um, the, uh, Baldur's Gate I'm in the spirit of the... Uh, What's the that? Yeah. I just said I'm in the spirit of the game. Oh, yes. Yes. The, the, the voices of Garrett. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> A cruel, cruel machinations. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, so the uh, manageable. So the next one in that is Jade Empire, which is also a relatively short, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it might be Bioware's shortest game. Um, and then this kind of continues in January when we do Shadowrun Returns, which is a tactics game. It's not a role playing game, but it has mm-hmm. a lot of Western role playing game kind of flavor to it. Yeah. Um, or when we do Dragonfall, rather. Yes. Uh, and that. Uh, yeah. So we're doing the uh, the 25 hour WRPGs mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. So uh, which we- I'm excited about because I love a 25 hour RPG. That's good. I'm excited about all of these. Um, so for this mm-hmm. episode, for the first episode, we're going to be covering the generalities. Uh, there are quite a few of them here. This is a pretty mm-hmm. complex game, actually. Uh, and then we're going to mm-hmm. talk about Act 1, which, along with the actual prologue, kind of acts like a prologue for the main body of the game. Yep. And to set an expectation, if you are playing along, um, you know, Act 2 is the body of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, act three is also pretty abbreviated. Yes. So act one and three are short. Act two is where all of your time goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also going to my my plan and we'll see if I'm able to do it is to touch the DLC, which I've not played yet mm-hmm. uh, and be able to speak to that a little bit. So, yeah, that's a, that's the episodes. Um, so in this game. 
You play as something. We're going to drop nouns. So on many you. nouns. I'm going to. Uh, you, I, the, the, yep. there, there's a little glossary that I put in the generalities, Gary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a. It's this game has. Um, I actually like. I had forgotten how much I love the setting and world that this game creates. Mm-hmm. There's so many really cool concepts and evocative names mm-hmm. uh, in this. It is. Uh, it is a noun soup, and the game gives you kind of like. Uh, concessions to that mm-hmm. like there's a thing that i want in every video game yes uh pretty much from now on is that you can hover over any text and just get the codex entry just the, the those please really don't. really informative tooltips please give them to me yeah do not make me go into a separate menu to look up what your context is mm-hmm. um and this is this is my favorite version of that i know this is not this is a pretty high you know later thing but it plays mm-hmm. into kind of the noun soup yeah, um, yeah. because they're they're specific tooltips it's not just like in the world this is what you know the church is mm-hmm. it's no when you went to the church you did this and this is why this character is treating you that way yeah um it's specific to your history and your knowledge mm-hmm. uh and i think that is like almost yeah, that is a really underrated uh, kind of advancement or kind of innovation in this game yeah um, that i would love to see brought forward into almost everything yeah it is contextual enough to be functional and necessary you know mm-hmm. so you can look at this and you can hear the noun soup and if you're like if you're a little bit like me you know sometimes like you know world building seems like it's you know something that is done just for its own sake you know like if something mm-hmm. seems like oh this is world building now like i'm going to keep it at arm's length until it proves that it's cool the world building here is actually really cool um and mm-hmm. i think that discovering that is aided by how friendly they make it uh how friendly it is in terms of surfacing those cool details yeah this this is a really well-written game in terms of not just uh, dialogue, mm-hmm. which is where writing tends to shine. Yes, uh, quite a bit. But even just in terms of terms of background, like I would like to play a tabletop game in this setting. Yes, I would like the source book very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason all of that preamble was because I was just about to say you play as a fate binder, <laughs> as if that's just a thing. <laughs> you know, like, you know the right. fate binders. So in Final Fantasy you know? thirteen, you are a Lassie, which is different than a false. Yeah, you are a Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. So a feet binder, and in this you are an agent um, of the court of an evil overlord, mm-hmm. and you are sent to aid in the conquest of the last remaining free region of the world called the Tears, um, and that kind of surfaces the main hook of this game, mm-hmm. um, which is that this is a game where Obsidian, who had spent their entire career doing really robust and kind of best in the business, like mm-hmm. people with this DNA, uh, evil paths. Yes you know, in things, right? Like, you know, the, the people who created uh, those games, like the, 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 the evil paths in new Vegas, you know, the Legion is no great shakes, mm-hmm. but it's not like Mr. House is a good guy. No. Uh, you know, um, they, they have been doing this for quite a while. This is them finally saying, what if we fully explore that? Yes. Um, this is a bad guy simulator. This game works best as a game where if the player can bring themselves over to role play mm-hmm. um, a character that they would not be in real life, yeah. uh, who is worse and more morally suspect than you would be. Yeah. Um, and the joy is found in picking a path, picking you know what you want to be, and living that living living that role deliciously. Yes. Uh, wouldst thou like to live <laughs> deliciously? Um, and the answer is yes. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. when it, I was thinking about this, um, it would be silly because we're going to cover a lot of that stuff specifically in this episode. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to do in the next episode, do tons of hand wringing, mm-hmm. you know, 
about the kind of basic premise of this. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about how good of a dispatch topic like evil playthroughs are would be because it's so it's so fascinating. Like there's no there's I, you know, there's no judgment in, in this, but I'm surprised often when I find people who cannot stomach uh, doing this at all in a role-playing game mm-hmm. like they're just like no i, I just can't do it cannot right. do it period like no matter what that is a deal breaker for a game for me what if somebody I, found I out just, I, <laughs> the, uh, I, it just they it makes them feel bad and like mm-hmm. you shouldn't do anything that makes you if it's not fun for you it's not fun for you right yeah, yeah. but to, to to me it's like i spend so much time in video games as a million things mm-hmm. uh most of which are aspirational yeah to some degree you know, like I, I'm, I'm a better person than I am now in, in a video game. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, the Mushroom Kingdom falls to to tyrannical like lizards <laughs> or whatever. I'm not going out and fighting. I'm no. not going to do those platforming challenges. No, you'd be turned I'm into a block. really out of shape. <laughs> yeah, I would. I'm block number one. Yep. <laughs> you know, so I, I play, you know, you play like a Mario, you play a Zelda to save the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea of in the grand panoply of games, the entire well-balanced diet of media informant games i take in mm-hmm. that there isn't room for one like walk on the dark side yeah where i'm just like what would it be like to to live deliciously like yeah. to just kind of be a shit and revel in my own crapulence mm-hmm. uh that there's room for that it's not all the time i don't want all video games to be like this yeah and but i'm very surprised at the resistance of any video game being like this and it's very specifically you know, you know what well, well, i mean i don't want to put words in your mouth but when i think about this like there are plenty of games that are out there there's, there's a whole you know subgenre of gta likes where you are playing as a criminal where you know the incentive is there for you to do a bad and antisocial thing you know manhunt yes. and what have you right here though yes. you Hunting know men. Not great. <laughs> yeah you, you don't want humans <laughs> you don't you never draw yeah. first blood uh, yeah. <laughs> but um in an rpg you know even going back to you know looking at like let's say planescape right like mm-hmm. you don't just you're not just evil in that you're choosing a whole bunch of different flavors of evil that like align with different philosophies and it is not yes. just straight up like mustache twirly like there are different motivations like different actions have different contexts in this you know so like early on before i you know in this game in tyranny before i <laughs> betrayed everybody i rolled with the scarlet chorus um even though you know previously in rpgs i've played a really you know staunch abolitionist even if you know slavery was um you know a thing in that world like set them all free well scarlet chorus they practice slavery they take enemy combatants and villagers and they conscript them you know you're just gonna have to Mm -hmm. like it just it just that's just that just happens here it is a way that it's it's, yes it is the premise it is the way that one huge faction in this world um you know articulates it's the way that they express their power right mm-hmm. you know yeah. so i just and, i just had to, it, i had to get okay with you know I, I had to get okay with brooking that you know with sparing somebody's it, life on the uh on the terms of like no you're, you're gonna be folded in yeah yes you know on that condition and the game one of the things i think is really remarkable about tyranny is the game is not un it you do participate in these acts mm-hmm. the game is not uncritical of them mm-hmm. like just because they are the status quo yeah. like that kind of evil is the setup of the world it's not portrayed as fucking rad no you know none of these none of these people who represent these flavors of evil are are shown as good mm-hmm. you know like and I, I just i think about um i think about that that uh planescape 
evil playthrough that I did, which is incredibly hard because yeah. it's it's really brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is emotionally horrible. Um, and it just being enriching in the same way that like Requiem for a Dream is enriching, even though it's not pleasant or something right, like that. Right. You know, that's a, that's not like the highest art I can think of. It's just the first thing that popped to mind. But I just the idea that games should be off limits for kind of feeling bad or exploring these these bad ideas in terms because of that, uh, you know, the, the agency that you have, like the direct mm-hmm. connection to a character, his interactive is just something that I don't relate to. Yeah, I'm not yeah. pushing anyone to like do anything they don't think is fun. I'm just kind of always surprised that like. I, I, just, I can't put it aside. Yeah. It just can't happen. It, you know, it is. Can't it get is, the bad ending of this. Can't get the suboptimal ending. <laughs> cannot do. It, it, it is. Um, it, it is an immediate and violent rejection of the of the concept yes. of of doing something that is that 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 will not get you good guy points. You know, or and, won't, and you, won't get very... you in good with the good people in the realm, right? In the in the yes, side. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. You don't enact virtue. Right. You know, in, in, in the game and the uh, and I get I get that. And again, there's no there's no judgment. Like if that's not fun for you, it's not mm-hmm. fun for you. Right. Yeah. Nothing there for me, though, as somebody who is always kind of like this, like when I first, you know, played Fallout and Baldur's Gate one, like these rel- you know, relevatory, you know, revelatory games to mm-hmm. me, um, just like amazing, you know, oh, this is what I want video games to be. Yeah. Um, I did the evil path afterwards. I like I played it one way and I was like, I'm the good guy abolitionist who frees you know, the world of fallout from, from all this horse shit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Hey, I noticed the game would give me options to be a real shithead. What mm-hmm. does that feel like? Yeah. And experiencing the stories from those different ways and experience the world from those different perspectives, I find really enriching. Yeah. Like it, it's not, uh, it doesn't, I don't feel like it reflects on me. Like they're fake. It's a toy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, these aren't, these aren't real people. Um, but it does, it helps me learn about the world. It helps me get kind of more immersed and it is, mm-hmm. Fun and kind of, and just you know, enriching is the only word I, I have for it to like pretend to be somebody you're not mm-hmm. for a little while. It's also rewarding um, as a player to poke at the edges and see, okay, the developer is kind of hinting and maybe half promising that if you push at this corner, if you select this, this little option that's down here, way down in the list, that something will follow through, right? That, that, that uh, there is a whole other, yep. whole other, you know, room in this house that you just have to break through the wall to get into, right? You've and never to seen. See, and, yeah. And, and yep. to see if that is the case, you know, this gets to another reason why somebody might avoid playing evil a lot of times the evil path is a it like it's it, it's an afterthought or it is yeah, just it's a well slight, yeah it's just a slightly you know slightly differently motivated way to get a similar set of rewards there's no real trade-off for anything so like you finish doing either the good playthrough or just kind of role-playing as yourself and reacting to things honestly as you are you go and you say okay what is the what is the evil playthrough like and they're like oh it's not substantially different well that sucks or it's yeah. worse think about um 10 penny tower versus megaton right it totally. To Tempo Tower is not like as well developed as Megaton. Here, worse and dumber. <laughs> here, the like the there is a good path you can take. You can play this as a Boy Scout, and that has different shades to it as well. Um, but that is almost like the afterthought <laughs> to a certain degree. That's the hard. It's it's more hidden. Yeah, like it it is harder to do, and they're making a point with that. Mm-hmm. Like this this is not hatred, mm-hmm. right? Like tyranny is not a game about there not being a point to morality. Right. It's a game that talks about morality uh, and talks about power yeah. through a lens that is non-traditional, but right. it's not agnostic. Right. To, it's not non-judgmental to those concepts. Um, you know, so it's, it's, you know, that afterthought thing, a lot of it is just like, 
evil paths of things end up not being developed. Mm -hmm. Like just not as many words are in it. Yeah. You know, like look at like, again, the Legion is the big example of, of specifically obsidian fucking that up because I think that they are the best in the business at this. Mm -hmm. Um, but even them, you know, that ends up, they know that like tons of players are not going to choose to side with the Legion. So there's not as much there. There's tons of cut content. Yeah. You know, there. Um, but that's something, one of this developer's greatest strengths, I think, is having, you know, you look at like Alpha Protocol as well, mm -hmm. where it's not evil, but you play, you can play as a morally gray character yeah. and it's not dumb. You're not blowing up Megaton because you can. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not Bethesda. They're not idiots. Right. They're good writers. <laughs> you know, like, it's, you know, Megaton is really bad writing. Mm hmm. Right. Like we, we talked about that in that episode, like that is extremely bad writing. Yes. Um, at the end of the day, like that's not interesting evil. And the fact that Megaton, if you talk about Megaton, everyone knows that is like one of the big examples of of evil as a playthrough. Mm -hmm. You don't know uh, forcing Dianara to slavery. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, weaponizing her love against you to gain the, you know, the power of her father mm -hmm. uh, in in torment. Right. Like that's not the evil thing that gamers know as shorthand. Mm hmm. You know, even though it's a thousand times better, it's not dumb, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, well, just, you know, f f phys physical violence is easier to visualize and enact. And that yeah. will, you know, just the, 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 that is a you know, shortcut implies laziness. And in the Megaton case, I, I would say, yeah. But, you know, it is, it is a, you know, it, it is a more functional shorthand than, you know, yes. all the context that you would need for understanding, you know, why selling Dianara into slavery is, you know, is bad beyond just slavery. Or like bad. passing her into, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it's, it requires better writers yes. to do, to do morally gray or evil things and mm -hmm. do it well. Yeah. And, and Obsidian has, you know, even in their like kind of B-level work, like mm -hmm. which this is, this is no, you know, this isn't my favorite Obsidian game by any means, but it's still just like such a higher standard than yeah. most video yeah. games deal with this. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of like the, the piece on that, like, you know, buckle up. If it's something that if you listen to the show for recommendation or if you listen to the show to like, because I'd recommend this game, I think this game is really good. Yes. Um, if you, uh, if that's something that you go to the show for, just know mm -hmm. what you're getting into. And that's kind of our like tight 10 on it. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you have to be okay with that. If you can accept that premise, mm -hmm. it's a really, really well done version of that premise. Mm -hmm. And I personally think and your mileage can vary, but that, uh, you get a lot out of accepting that premise. Yes. You're um, rewarded for it. Yeah. And we're not going to be hand-wringing about the bad stuff that we do. Like this is, this nope. is not, not necessarily going to be the avenue for critiquing these, critiquing these actions that you are incentivized to take in the game against our actual lives and our world. You've listened to us. You yes. know what, you know what our morality yeah. is. If you're just listening to this episode and you're like, man, those guys are way okay with slavery. That's weird. <laughs> of course we're not. Yeah. It's a game. Like it's a piece of art. Like it's, you know, it, it's, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. like watching Bram Stoker's Dracula doesn't mean you're like, okay with, you know, <laughs> uh, weird, uh, you know, vampire hypnosis assault. Yes. You know, it's just, you're just experiencing media. Yes. So, um, yeah, I wanted to get that out of the way, but yeah, we're not, we're not gonna spend tons of time on it. So if that was exhausting to you. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, so you're a fate binder, as mm -hmm. we mentioned. Yeah. Um, very similar to Obsidian's game right before this, which is Pillars of Eternity. Uh, this is kind of a throwback Infinity Engine style game. Yes. Um, the idea here is to do something that has kind of the the visual flavor and cadence of a Baldur's Gate, um, but with enhanced 
combat. And uh, in this case, like a, a really, really tilted different perspective in world. Yes. Pillars of Eternity is a pretty straight putt. Um, I don't love Pillars of Eternity. Um, right. It is okay. Right. Uh, I like this much better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like those Infinity Engine games, this is an isometric game. Um, it is you know, real-time 3D, so it's not like, you know, chunky sprite work. You can get in, see the smooth animation, etc. Um, and, yeah, you're looking at people from above. You're ordering around your little action figures to explore, talk to NPCs, engage with combat. And we're going to – I, I formatted the notes to start with combat so we could get the kind of bummer out of the way. You're yeah. going to be doing a lot of combat, yeah. and the combat is a real sticking is a real sticking point for a lot of people who jump into this. It is actually a really mm-hmm. good parallel to, uh, to, to to torment in that way. But there's interesting stuff mm-hmm. going on here, and this combat system is deeper than I initially gave it credit for. To me, like this is the thing about the combat in Tyranny is like it is unquestionably the weakest part of this game, mm-hmm. while still not being a total disaster, and also not fulfilling all its potential. Right. Like there, there's, there's cool things about it. Like, and, and you can, you can vibe with it. Like I generally enjoy it. I Mm -hmm. think that it, you know, I have fun during the fights in this. The other disclosure thing is that the path and me and you will talk about how we're choosing to navigate our way through this game is we're choosing a combat heavy path. Right. Um, there, there can be less combat in this game, not like almost none. It's not, again, it's not torment, Mm -hmm. but you can have less combat in the game. Yeah. The one we're choosing is near in a grand arc, narratively satisfying, Mm -hmm. but also involves a lot of fights. Yeah. Um, what it feels like they try to do with the combat in this is make uh, it's it's real time with pause, mm-hmm. you know, very similar to Baldur's Gate, um, but it's more enhanced, more complicated than Baldur's Gate, which since that was based on second edition D&D was very simple mm-hmm. um, and there's less of it and it's slower, like everything is more impact, uh, more complexity, a little bit more strategy. But I can't help but feel like, what if this was Divinity Original Sin 2? Like, what if this was turn-based with action points mm-hmm. and just fewer combats and how much better it would be? Yeah. Like, you could still take a lot of these concepts in here that are kind of interesting. Um, this this complicated matrix, matrix of attack types and defense types mm-hmm. and different levels of success for an attack. Yeah. Uh, you could take that and make that something you had to pay more attention to mm-hmm. because the, the biggest problem I think with the, the combat here is that knowing what's happening is interesting. Mm-hmm. The actual effect is not, is watching my little guys uh, <laughs> kind of just like bash at each other for a while yeah, and just kind of keeping an eye on meters, both like my recharges for my mm-hmm. abilities and uh, health meters to see where I need to step in. Yeah. It's weirdly passive. Uh in a way that I don't think is to its service, really. Because everything is is pinned to cooldowns, it feels very much like an MMO in that regard. Yes. It, ha- it has that it has the the the, pa- the passivity of that where you where you are um you know just kind of like doing your attacks when they're available and making a decision, you know, like down, you know, to the round or turn level based on what is immediately mm-hmm. available to you. What strikes me about this is that the complexity of what's going on pushes up against the limits of what real time with pause can allow. Um, it ultimately mm-hmm. it, it ultimately begins to feel very chaotic. It almost feels like I can't zoom in enough to like discern what's going on mm-hmm. with everything like not necessarily happening on the same rhythm or TikTok. Um, as, yeah, as, well, as things proceed, it seems like a lot of stuff happens at once, which makes it very difficult it, to, uh, it to discern. Does. Yeah, 
like the combat happens, the attacks and everything, the rounds feel like they're the same number uh, amount of time as Baldur's Gate, but there is such a wider variety of outcome mm-hmm. for things. Uh, you have like a little tiny box that tells you what's happening, like what the die rolls are, what the results are. Yeah. It's this little box in the corner that kind of plays the entire time during combat. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very weird because to, there's no way to intuitively know mm-hmm. other than like the basic health. Like I can hover over somebody, I can see their status. I can look at how much health they have at a glance. Mm-hmm. There's like this little pip system where characters have five pips uh, to represent their health. Um, they actually have like 230 hit points or whatever, but the, you know, they're represented by these pips. So you can kind of see like a general sense of someone's health. Yeah. Um, but to know specifically what happened, like, oh, this character is missing constantly. They're giving me their little missing marks. Because they have a debuff, that debuff came from this mage who was sustaining the spell. Mm-hmm. I need to shut down this mage. Is not something that's visually conveyed yeah. very well. It's conveyed textually. And having to kind of scroll through that to figure out what's going on uh, is kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clunky. Yeah. Um, and it just makes me wish it was turn-based. Like, I just feel like, you know, this combat would be way too slow if it was turn-based. Mm-hmm. But if you up the the values you know, of everything yeah. and do this with, with action points, do this with, because the, the, the abilities you have that are not on a cooldown, the ones that are like per encounter or what have you would work perfectly in a turn-based, like that's a very D and D 3.5, yeah. you know, thing uh, or 4.0 rather. Um, and that would work perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fine. Yes. Um, instead, the, the experience is just very strange uh, in this, like, like any, just like Baldur's Gate, like you spend most of your time managing your mages. Mm-hmm. You know, managing your AOE people, um, but it, it it feels odd. It doesn't feel great. Yeah. And this. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and like, it's pretty difficult. Like, it requires a lot of attention, a lot of management. And to me, that is a friction point because, like, at the end of the day, the combat's not necessarily what I'm here for. Um, mm-hmm. It's not what I'm looking for when it becomes a real roadblock to seeing the writing and making further choices. It begins to feel superfluous like i kind of just want to like i just want it out of the way um even yeah. though like and, there is good stuff to engage with in it um just those those, those frictions yes. do add up the the parts of this where i take joy in the combat are uh when i you know a climactic encounter when i have to really really uh have a steady hand i have to prepare uh for battle like there is a complicated system of buffs and uh, status effects, positive statuses you can give yourself in mm-hmm. terms with consumables and things that will swing the tide of battle um, in a way that mirrors uh, Baldur's Gate, you know, getting your, your spells prepped, like casting mm-hmm. your blesses and your haste and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that. Like, I think that's fun. Um, in a kind of like rank and file combat in which I could just win, I would like it if that just happened through text. Yeah. Like if the game was just like, listen, there's no way that you can lose this. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just let me do that narratively. Earthbound it. Um, Earthbound it. Um, there are like complications here that I think are genuinely pretty rad. Yeah. Um, and things that, that really work. Uh, one of the things I really love are the uh, impact that uh, your skills can have on combat. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like most combats, you you talk beforehand. Yeah. And you will do things beforehand that impact the combat. <laughs> like, that's just... really cool. I, I, you know? I love uh, passing an athletics check to be a real badass and then just mages run away. <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we can't do this. And that's so good. Uh-huh. You know, or you just say some like absolutely fucking, you know, jewels and Pulp Fiction, scary ass shit. <laughs> Yo, no, and all the enemies start with a negative status effect. You yeah. know, 
Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I love that, though, that interplay, yeah. you know, taking those non-combat skills, having them interface with combat. Um, I also feel like the, the combos mm-hmm. are really, really awesome. And yeah. these are dependent on your relationships. Like if you have a relationship with somebody, you will unlock a different combo in combat. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat to marry your non you know, your relationships, your exploratory, your narrative side of this game with the, your fights. Mm-hmm. You know, this person, I've really whipped them into line like they are incredibly <laughs> afraid of me, this companion. So that's unlocked this really powerful combo ability I can do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can just like tell them to do something that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily do. And it's very powerful. Yeah. And those combos, they can um, I think the those battle. are really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Like these are the main thing. These are your openers. These are your things you, you save for, for big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the cooldowns you're most interested in, in managing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we want, do we want to get into like the specifics of this? Like I, I, oh, I yeah. am, I'm way into the fact that this isn't based on like a set, a rule set of Dungeons and Dragons. I like D and D just fine. Uh, but you know, like just the, the, the facts that, this is different and original um does make it more interesting to learn than just kind of figuring out okay how do they adapt this how do they adapt that mm-hmm. yeah it was uh it's it's totally new mm-hmm. like it is a new thing i mean it's very similar to pillars yeah like but they they came up with it for this this uh this wave of infinity engine also rams yes um so let's yeah we'll, we'll let's talk about it because we're going to spend a lot of time in the combat and i don't want to spend a lot of time in the next episode mm-hmm going into to, into these little individual things like yeah. there's definitely going to be a thing in these episodes where like it is a a tyranny ass tyranny combat mm-hmm. you know there's nothing really special about this encounter it's just tyranny combat yeah um so uh there is an engagement uh system mm-hmm. so characters will become engaged uh and you can go to their registry at target and get them a set of pots and a toaster <laughs> um, no um, they, right, they, they will get uh to the, they, they will they will get engaged uh and uh, when they do that they're locked in melee right. so those characters are fighting each other um if somebody leaves uh, there are attacks of opportunity mm-hmm. uh basically um from from D D. um there are skills that mitigate this mm-hmm. and characters that are better at resisting it and such yeah um characters have different weapons uh weapon sets they can use they have different advantages uh, again that apply to these different damage types uh and then they also uh certain characters and this is optional but if you follow certain skill trees you'll have stances yes. that give you different buffs and debuffs uh and you can switch those as well mm-hmm. i tend um, to leave that to the ai for those particular characters engaging with stances feels a little bit that feels like a step too far to me i never do it yeah like i didn't do it in neo like i don't i don't want to ever engage in a stance i don't think it's interesting or good yeah um it's too that is the level of fiddly for me and i love fiddly games so yeah um consumables really matter uh you're going to be looting a lot of cheese a lot of different kinds of alcohol uh particular molds and mushrooms um and eating a whole block of cheese right before a combat uh will give you a substantial bonus Just, just to make sure you don't have to shit during the, the, the <laughs> yeah. otherwise your diarrhea. Like it's basically the, uh, you know, wearing the the D plug or whatever from Tim and Eric. <laughs> like your, deep, your, 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 your diarrhea fram. <laughs> yeah, the, no, no, the diarrhea fram. The oh, D fram. Okay. Gotcha. Um, d- d- different yeah. things. The, the, the defense yeah. is a different diarrhea mitigation uh, <laughs> device from <laughs> no Tim solid Eric. loops. Uh, <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, uh, but consumables, you really want to use these because it does make a big difference. Um, you know, this is still, you know, fundamentally a small numbers RPG, even if some of the, you know, kind of bonuses that you get on certain skills and weapons do fall into like, you know, this gives me 0.01 more DPS or a, a 1.2% yeah. bonus to X and 
why it engages in a little bit of that but for the important thing consumables you know the de deciding what consumables to use it is very important and simple it's like a medium numbers rpg yes you know almost um similar you know basically set scale to to D D. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel that different in, in scale in terms of numbers and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that is, I think is interesting is that when you hit, uh, there are four different uh, types of hits. Mm -hmm. um, and the way this works, I think this is actually really cool. I think this would be something that would lend itself really well to tabletop. Mm -hmm. um, it's fiddly, again, if you start like messing with the skills that affect this. Mm -hmm. um, so when you hit somebody, you have a regular hit. Um, you have a regular miss. Um, those just do the standard effects. Uh, misses are really rare, though. What happens more likely is you get a graze, and a graze is less damage and less effect. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that makes, you know, they understand that a really unsatisfying thing in an RPG is to miss. Yes. Um, you know, it's one of the, the worst things that can happen. Like, it's frustrating in Morrowind, uh, or, you know, when you are... Uh, you know, going, you're just, you're just not hitting. Even I, it looks I, like you're I hitting. saw the sword intersect with the thing. How did I miss? Yeah. How did that not hit? You know, and it's frustrating in Baldur's Gate, you know, when characters just stand there and miss, like just nothing happens, you know, so a graze is a better version of that. Yeah. And there's a whole suite of skills that affect that. So mm -hmm. um, one of the defenses you can have is armor, which is straight damage reduction. The other one is something called deflection. If you're light armor characters and that downgrades hits one level. Mm -hmm. So critical hits become hits and hits become grazes and grazes become misses. Yeah. Um, so there's again, this like kind of complicated interface. Yeah. Multiple between, different kinds uh, of, uh, you know, different kinds of defense stats as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is, it's a, it's a lot to manage. It's, it's can be chaotic and intricate. It can also be, you know, if, if it's going to be a walk, it can be really passive. It can be mm -hmm. a lot of things. It's not what either of us are here for. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not feel like it's an un unmitigated disaster. I have managed to get some fun out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's fun. Everything is going to get compared to Divinity Original Sin 2 yeah. in terms of, like, how good combat can be in an RPG. Just it's the way not it's that. Go. Yeah. Yep, it's not that. Like, it is not what I'm here for. I'm not looking forward to new battles. I'm looking forward to the badass confrontation before the battle mm -hmm. um, and the talk after the battle. And then some bosses, which I think are really genuinely fun and are a really good test. Yes. You know, um, and it should be noted that, like, there is a good amount of fighting in this. There is less than there is in Baldur's Gate. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not in a dungeon and you're not fighting 70 kobolds. No. You're fighting 20, you know, 20 or 25 of these, yeah. you know, elemental creatures or something. Yeah. Like, you know, no. most of the combat that I've encountered so far has been, okay, you come up to a, you come up to a fort um and oops i can't talk my way past the guy at the front guess i have to raise it um and then you go mm -hmm. and you know clear out like four or five different groups of different groups of enemy enemy soldiers with their own little like party <laughs> mix-ups and stuff mm -hmm. yeah yep yep, yep. Um, um let's talk about uh stats and character build stuff yeah let's talk about progression because this is similar a little bit to D D, but this is original enough that it bears discussing in detail Mm -hmm. uh big difference yeah, I mean, there's one there's one major way it's it's very different than D. &D. yes um you know so that you have stats mm -hmm. like you have your general uh D, &D basic stats mm -hmm. um you know light vigor things like that <laughs> yeah. um but skills uh improve upon use yeah so similar to like oblivion mm -hmm. um which is interesting like there's no this is a classless system um anybody can cast magic so right? so it just like but, it takes its shoes off on the airplane exactly yeah. exactly it just takes its shoes off on the airplane um it's eating a tuna salad 
Mm. Like it asks the stewardess to microwave it for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and just can you, can, and then it just rubs it on the air vent, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of smashes sandwich up on the uh, call button. Yep. You know, um, the, uh, so the, you can make your, your, your frontline. There's no reason why your, your warrior cannot cast a spell, mm-hmm. but you have to ask, like, do you want your warrior to cast a spell? Because that time they're spent casting a spell, they're getting better at that. They're not getting better at swinging a sword. Right. You know, so characters are what they do in this, mm-hmm. uh, which plays into the theme, like, in you know, in a, in a, a, a big way, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the idea of like, you are what you do Yes. in this actions are what have power. Words have actions when they're, when they're backed up or mm-hmm. word have power when they're backed up. Yeah. Um, you are what you do in this game. Yeah. It is a very uh, m- materialist kind of philosophy yes. to, 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 to play into the story as it, uh, as yes. it executes. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, if you don't want to progress something, you can lock that skill. You can just say mm-hmm. like, no, just, you know, like discourage the use of that, um, mm-hmm. in the, uh, in, in, in the interface, or you can just keep it wide open and let them, let, let, let you know, it, there doesn't seem to be a cost to keeping subterfuge unlocked for everybody and just gaining, gaining points in that when they spot a trap. Right. Yeah, for that, other than just the fact if you have one person who's dedicated to it, mm-hmm. they're going to spot all the traps, their subdiffuse is going to get higher. Yes. So that would be, so it's, the game is not so difficult that you have to micromanage this that much, mm-hmm. but there is, uh, the way that the combat works with your four-person party, um, you are encouraged to have specialists. Yes. You know, everybody should be fulfilling at most two roles, mm-hmm. but you do not want a whole team of bards. Like, you don't want a whole team of jack-of-all-trades. It's no. not going to work for you. They'll get rolled. Um, yeah. So then the, that skill up, it's not just in combat. Anything that you do with a skill, uh, whether it's in combat or out, will progress it. You gain like experience. It says you gained X experience in lore by by using this lore, by by passing that check. Right. Uh, so, for example, mm-hmm. like subterfuge, it's a pretty important skill. Uh, you can gain points in it by spotting and disarming traps. You also gain points by, um, you know, lying in dialogue. <laughs> like there are checks you can do mm-hmm. in the dialogue system. Uh, you can gain points by successfully sneaking and doing the scouting mode. Um, and all of that leads to, again, we, you know, Gary, you mentioned it a little bit before talking about the skills impacting the combat, um, when you get into it, you know, the dialogue checks changing the effects of the battle. Like this game is actually kind of like a masterclass for integrating all of its systems into each other. Everything seems to have have hooks into the other. It doesn't, it doesn't have that modal feeling of like, now it is time for fight. Now it is time for dialogue. Mm -hmm. And, and it bears out. There are situations in which, you know, the path that we played, and we'll start talking about that um, in a bit, um, does have heavier combat. It is, I still think it is narratively like grandly narratively more satisfying than the other paths, Mm -hmm. Um, but has more combat, but there are situations in which your skills will determine what an encounter is. An encounter doesn't have to be combat. Mm-hmm. Like not only can your skills affect the outcome of that combat or the nature of it, the shape of it, it does. It also affects whether it happens at all. Right. You know, and your choices as well. So it's not just your skill, like your character build system affecting combat. It's also the narrative affecting combat mm-hmm. and combat affecting the narrative. Like when you kill an enemy soldier, this uh, affects your reputation. Yeah. That reputation will follow you into narrative choices later. Mm-hmm. Like if you just if you slaughtered a bunch of these individual people, when you meet one later, they'll have heard about that. Mm-hmm. And it affects the combat system because you start getting individual feats, you know, that that uh, affect that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you kill enough people, this they have this wrath uh, for you, which gives you this unique perk. Yes. Like integrated is the word. I love for it. this. It is extremely well done mm-hmm. um, in, in that respect. Very into it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Are really, really good. Yeah. Um, those feats, those, those things we talked about, those quirks, um, you can get them through reputations, as we mentioned. Um, and we'll probably talk about the reputation system on its own in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you also get them through uh, your, like, tech trees, your talent trees. Mm-hmm. Um, your main character, you have six different talent trees that all lend them, five of them lend themselves broadly to different builds. Mm-hmm. And one of which is leadership, uh, which is kind of an all-purpose catch-all one that affects uh, your companions. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I always put big points in the leadership. Leadership is really good. Yeah, yeah. So like, it just, it has the broadest effect. Uh, I also mm-hmm. I also do this as well. Uh, we can talk about our individual characters, you know, later later on when we talk about the path that we have chosen. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I like that quite a bit. I like that you have those options. You know, it does force you to specialize. Um, I like the way that um, manifests with companions as well. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have complete control over how they develop. Um, you know, they have two different sets. They've got two two different trees. Each of your companions, two, two or three, two or three. Uh, like yeah. Lantry has three. Like they're, they're, it yeah, kind of varies, but yeah. it's two. Yeah, it depends. Two or three. So uh, you know, a little bit more limitation to it. Thank you for that. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, like you have to choose. You know, what role are they going to specialize in? Uh, like what what role are they going to take in the party? So like for Lantry, who can kind of be a couple of different things, I specialized him to be my healer. Right. Um, mm-hmm. for, 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 for Barrack, I think his name is like, he can either be a damage dealing tank versus a damage soaking tank. I was like, I need somebody to draw hits. So I'm going to put everything into his sentinel tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, these, uh, the way that characters show up is they have a specific, uh, suggestion of a couple different builds mm-hmm. they can do. And what this allows you to do, you know, you have a four person party, which is relatively small and smaller than pillars, which had six, yep. which means you have fewer people to cover greater ground. Uh, which means you need this versatility, more versatility in these characters, so they can fit around your main character. Yeah, your main character is going to have a lot of unique powers. It's always going to be the most powerful person on your squad. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Yeah. You know, and the game has a pretty limited number of companions. There are six mm-hmm. uh, in this. It's not a huge number. Like a lot of times, games have more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, each of them, there's kind of two basic companions of each type. Yeah in this uh and that's really intentional Mm -hmm. you know so there there are two mages there are two you know utility uh players Mm -hmm. um that are very versatile and then there are two kinds of tank Mm -hmm. you know tanks or dps characters and you can craft those depending on what you made with your main character yeah um and you can also choose like you know something that might might dictate who you bring is like what is your relationship with them you know like (laughs) it could be that somebody is like slightly loyal to you that's actually less valuable than if somebody is really really afraid of you yes um and you know their faction yeah based on their faction and how you treat them Mm -hmm. you know and, and and the way you interface with your your companions um that's something i really love about this is that uh frequently in games that have companion systems, there can be a companion that I really, that would match me really well mm-hmm. uh, in terms of play, but does not get along with me or does not, uh, I don't like them. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it would be really cool to have this person on my team mechanically, but I don't like them. Yeah. Here, it you know, because you're slipping on that, that black hat, because you are, uh, you know, pretending to be a jerk that you're not in real life, I can be like, yeah, you know what? I just need Barrick. I don't like him. He's a mm-hmm. toady. 
uh, you know, um, I'm going to make, I'm going to treat this soldier like shit and just really put him in line. Like this, this person works for me. I'm going to mm-hmm. treat him like they work for me. Yes. I'm Amy Koblucker or whatever her name is. I mean, <laughs> you're going to be, you're yeah. going to be throwing, yeah. You're, yeah, you're going to be throwing binders Water at bottles them. at yeah. Barrick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and that allowing for that. So it's still narratively consistent. You don't have this thing where it's like, uh, you know, it's Baldur's Gate 2. I need Kagan. But he's neutral evil. It doesn't really make sense for him to come with me, but I really need him. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, you know, uh, you don't have that narrative dissonance. Yeah. Like uh, integrated again is the word. Yeah. I'm a paladin, but I'm a paladin and I need Viconia, but those two things are not compatible. Yes. Here it's like, hey, Vicon- Viconia works for you. Mm-hmm. Like you saved Viconia, make her. Yeah work for work for you um and again not endorsing that in real life nope. in the game though i really like that it has that narrative cohesion yeah to allow for it mm-hmm. you know it just it, like it, it the, the it's kind of weird because it sounds like there are no there are no negative consequences for how you treat how you treat your your, your uh companions that's not necessarily true like you know you're mm-hmm. locking yourself out of other bonuses that you could get but it's but still, all bonuses yeah it's yeah alpha protocol Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this game has tons of alpha protocol DNA, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm surprised I had, didn't see more about that when this came out. Mm-hmm. Like more people weren't drawing that connection because people brought up um, KOTOR 2 a lot because apparently that has a very robust evil path. Yes. Um, you know, someday we'll do that for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've not played it. It's like the big Obsidian game I have not played. Yeah. Um, but there's tons of alpha protocol in that in alpha protocol you know, we, we keep tons of praise on that game. I love that game. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why is because your job is not to make everyone happy. Your job is to play your version of your dude. Mm-hmm. And that's going to piss some people off. But then being pissed off at you also gives you benefits. You are rewarded for role playing, not rewarded for measuring yourself up against a good boy stick. Yes. You know, it is, it is just, you know, how well do you enact a character like mm-hmm. neutrality is punished yes in this game like this game you know being a centrist is punished like you're not trying to keep everyone happy no. you're trying to fulfill a role and be existentially true like mm-hmm. be a strong character that would fit into the fiction yeah and you will be rewarded in it for playing the game as it is yeah it is saying something I, about it's saying something about power about influence and about rule which is that the the, the strong expression will you know mm-hmm. will, will win out for good or ill right Yes. Yeah. Um, that plays into all aspects of it. Um, the magic system in this game is really neat. I love it. Um, incredibly cool. I'm not playing a mage this time. I played a mage my first time, and it was way more fun than the character I'm playing this time. <laughs> um, mages are always the most fun thing to play in a role-playing game. Yeah, I'm doing a mage um, this time. The, yeah, good. Good, good, good. Because um, I, I remember a lot of this, but I'm not enacting with it quite as much mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, the way this works is you you craft every spell you're going to use. You make them yourself. Um, and you do it by combining sigils. Yes. So uh, this is a little bit like Eternal Darkness, mm-hmm. um, but there are more sigils. Yes. You know, it is a more complex version uh, where you take two to three parts uh, to craft a spell. So it is its core. Um, so what the spell is about. Uh, so like fire, ice, healing, vigor, um, emotion, illusion, mm-hmm. etc. Um, then it's kind of shape and range, which determines its effect. Like it can be its literal area effect mm-hmm. or just whether it affects you, whether it affects you over time, whether it's touch, whether it's distance. Um, and then you can add accents to it. Yeah. And this is where you, you know, add on like secondary effects. This is where you enhance the power. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're, this is, this is going to be most of the sigils that you find. 
Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you, know, you 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 take these, you mix them up. Uh, the sigils are not consumable. You do find them out in the world, but it's like, oh, you have learned this particular sigil. A new word. You've learned a new word, yeah. and all of a sudden you can write new sentences with this. And those sentences, mm-hmm. you know, uh, amount to spells. Uh, the spell that results from this can be assigned to any party member, you know, because there's no class system. It's not like, oh, this person's a warrior. They, you know, they they don't know they don't know magic. Um, it's all gated by the lore skill. So more powerful, more complicated spells have a higher lore requirement to cast. So your mages, you know, by casting spells all the time, by going around and passing these lore checks, um, they're going to necessarily have a higher lore skill. So they have a, a higher capacity for casting more potent spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, and that ends up being a really kind of elegant gate for power. So, you, you know, if you're hearing this, you might, and you don't know the system, you might say like, oh, okay, well, if I can add accents to a spell, why wouldn't I, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I have a, a lightning bolt, why wouldn't I add fire damage, add range, add area effect and bouncing and all these things. But every time you do that increases the lore cost of it. Mm-hmm. So you're always making interesting trade-offs. Like it, it is highly personalized yeah. uh, to what you want. And it's something you can switch out on the fly. Um, you can trade and assign these whenever you want from a menu. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is up to you. It's very expressive. Yeah. It's an incredibly expressive magic system mm-hmm. um, where your uh, competence with it doesn't just determine the raw damage. It encourages how individualized you can make every spell, mm-hmm. um, which to me is obviously very appealing. Like I love an expressive game system um, and I like being able to say, hey, in this encounter, this enemy is very vulnerable to damage over time. Mm-hmm. So this thing that makes this uh, this this damage over time effect, this corrosion effect, um, last longer mm-hmm. is worth adding. You know, maybe changing the range. Yeah. Maybe giving up some range, having it more in danger in order to make this last longer, because that's how I'm going to do the bulk of my damage to this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go prepare for that. That's catnip to me. <laughs> like those, those choices are video game. Yes. To me. The, 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 that, that is what, that's where the game is. Um, and yes. unless, it, unless we make it sound like lore is the, you know, the overall skill, like lore unlocks all kinds of magic, not necessarily because there are different stats for different domains of magic. Um, and that will determine yes. the efficacy of the cast, right? It will, it will determine yes. whether, you know, the casting is successful, how successful it is, et cetera. So again, you are encouraged to specialize, you know, like you want to have a caster who is able, you know, to cast like affect life. You want, you want a caster that is able to, you know, control, uh, control fire, et cetera. Um, like the, it, it is worth making those decisions early on. Mm-hmm. And and you're not going to get them all. Right. There are a lot of different kinds of magic. You do not have enough casters or enough party members to have every spell available to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to make some choices. You know, these ten, and the spells tend to broadly fit yeah. into uh, categories of kind of characters that map onto MMOs in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, or D&D 4.0, if you want to think of it in a tabletop term, where it's like this character is a debuff character. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are going to use a lot of emotion and illusion and vigor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for buffs and debuffs, and those are going to be their spheres, whereas this character is a healer, so they are going to use vigor and life, and then I also need them to do damage, so I get to choose which element mm-hmm. I want. Um, do I want the damage over time one? Do I want one of the traditional elements? Do I want uh, grave light, which is a, a life-draining <laughs> uh, type of magic? Uh, things like that. Yeah. Do I want to be able to manipulate people on the battlefield? Like, do I want to push? You know, that is like tide, like tide mm-hmm. casting, like water. And um, there's a character who starts as a specialization as that. And that involves like positioning in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's really robust. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And my like my um, final party um is probably going to be three mages and a tank. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that is super viable. Yeah. Like a, as a way to a way to play. Yeah. Um so the the main thing, you know, the bulk of this, the, the main appeal of the game and the, the coolest stuff it does, like all the stuff before I think is generally pretty cool. Even that magic system, which I think is awesome, is a little bit undercut just by the combat feelings. Yeah, yeah. We just talked about not a disaster, but I would say, you know, mediocre in a literal sense, mm-hmm. like just medium, you know? Yeah. Um, the cool stuff about this is the dialogue and the story and the decisions you're making. Um, and that's what we're going to get into now. And this is what you're here for and what we're here for. Yes. Generally. Yeah. Um, and even this is stat based, you know, like there are regular mm-hmm. decisions that you make, but there are all kinds of options that are available uh, based on how the game keeps track of you know you know different axes right uh with individuals and with broader factions so with the individual you've got two stats you have loyalty and you have fear you know like how much they like you versus how much (laughs) how much are they afraid to disobey you right yes Uh, and this is not just your companions Mm -hmm. this is also major named npcs in the world right you know, um, and this is, again, uh, these both get you what you want. This is commentary on power. Mm-hmm. You know, there are different ways to rule. There are different ways to have the things that you want. Yeah. To you exert know? influence, um, you know, to, to, to make people apply and to do what you need. Yes. Exerting influence is the, is the, the watchword yeah. there. And then factions have uh, similarly, you know, kind of efficacious but differently named mm-hmm. stats, which are wrath and favor. Yeah. Um, and all of these, again, very similar to Alpha Protocol, correspond with special feats and abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, if this faction hates me, um, I, I will have this this power. If they love me, I'll have this power. Same mm-hmm. thing with my companions. Um, and again, what you're not doing is being milk toast. Right. You are not trying to keep everyone happy and just trying to keep your head down. That is not the game that this is. No, we'll get. So you're rewarded for being extreme. Yeah. Um, and the overall effect here is a morality system that is you know, more akin to, you know, something like Alpha Protocol, uh, Fallout New Vegas's reputation system, um, also seeing mm-hmm. is, is, is kind of in play here. It's not good and evil. Uh, you know, there are multiple different axes of philosophical leanings and consequences and the, you know, just overall methods that people approve of versus keeping track, uh, them keeping track of whether or not you fucked them over before. Mm-hmm. A lot of the arguments in this game are not stupid. Right. Like people will make an argument uh, that is not something that you agree with or not something you're ultimately going to go for, but you understand them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it makes sense that they would make that move. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that things just feel totally arbitrary to me mm-hmm. in this game. Like things tend to feel fairly philosophically consistent. Which also, again, integrated is the word for this, plays into the theming because there's also another way this game has a lot of torment DNA is the belief as power. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, what people believe becomes actionable, like is a magic yeah. in this. So that is why when this faction, the Vendrian Guard or whatever, hates your guts, you get a new superpower. It is because <laughs> in this world, belief is power. Yes. And that is why there are these these archons around, you know, that is why you ultimately become an archon in this Mm -hmm. is because people are you have made pliable. You have made an impression on the world. Yeah, just thematically. I love that. And additionally, again, when we start when we start talking about the world and talking about the edicts and even the way magic works and stuff, how legalistic everything is. 
just it's like really good how everything second de- edition wish <laughs> just how how everything depends on this just house of cards of different clauses and arrangements and things like that it is so good and learning about that over the course of the game even early on <laughs> is very rewarding um i just well, I, I love that aspect to the world yeah me me and i also love that it's not uh again I feel like this game is really well written. It's not stupid. Like right. it's yes, it's legalese and, and stuff like that, but characters are talking about it. Mm-hmm. They, they understand, you know, they're not robots. Like when you obey the letter of the law and not the spirit <laughs> characters will comment on it. Right. And some characters are like, that's really clever. Other characters are like, you're going to get fucked up. Like <laughs> yeah. that is, yeah, you, you I, idiot. Like, I what do you how, think you're doing? I don't know how, I you don't know? know when, but I have a feeling your whole family is going down. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then other people will be like, hey, you were allowed to do that. What do you think of that? Uh-huh. You know, people are asking the questions. Like, it feels like there's characters in the game doing Cinemason shit and anticipating Cinemason shit almost. <laughs> You know, like in, in in a good way, like they're not they're not engaging in cinema sins. They're like rebuking yeah. that kind of thing. Like, oh, why? You know, Kyrus is all knowledgeable and all powerful. Why would he allow you to do this? And then another character is like, yeah, why would he? Mm-hmm. You know, why? Why would she think about that? Yeah. You know, and then it's like, well, shit, like, yeah. <laughs> am I do I think I'm being free, but I'm actually just a tool. Yeah. And there are payoffs to all that. Like yeah. it is it's smart. Mm-hmm. Like it is a, a smartly written game. It It is above average for that kind of thing. Yeah. When those questions, like a lot of times in video games, I feel like the answer to those things ends up being, it just had to be that way. Right. Like that's just what it was. Or this character is acting like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, these characters aren't acting like idiots. Kuros no. isn't an idiot no. in this game. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I appreciate that so fucking much. Like yeah. it just feels like it is respecting me mm-hmm. uh, it, as a reader. It's it, like, and it's not, you know, it, it's not, um oversights it's not things that they forgot it's not you know it's not really like holes in what the creators considered for the way this world works for the way the or for the way these people are motivated it is a whole bunch of selective blind spots and biases that the individual players have um that you can like identify and exploit in the choices that you make absolutely like tuna tunan is a great character for that yeah like Slowly wrapping Tunan around my finger over the course of this <laughs> is one of the great pleasures of the anarchist path of this. So good. Of just being like, no, I just, you know what? You're my boss and I know you. And that is why I own you. Yes. Like that is why you get to do what I want. <laughs> um, really, really, really cool. Yeah. Um, we talked about how it keeps track of all of this stuff. Right. So, you know, you have this little codex that talks about your recent actions. When somebody is mad at you, their text will have a different highlight and you can hover over it and it'll be like, oh yeah, I did that. Oh, like, whoops. that's why they're pissed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it even keeps, uh, the codex keeps an inventory of the most recent things that you have done as well, showing like what had the broader effect. So you can learn how to manipulate them better in the future. Like this person really mm-hmm. doesn't like brutality. Okay. Yep. Well, I can lean it. I can use that. Yep. Or this person really does like it or this person, you know, and they're not as simple as like, we'll talk about it when we start talking about the two main factions because they right. end up being a really big part of the game. Mm-hmm. They're not as black and white as they seem. Right. Like, you know, initially, like they're not, they're not good. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I, I feel like the only real choice is say, fuck these guys, <laughs> but they are not, uh, it's a really interesting thing to think about which one is worse mm-hmm. because there are strong arguments for both of them. Yeah. And they both, like there are, there are pluses and minuses. They're both characterized with enough internal contradictions that it makes it really hard to like make a top line conclusion about what's going on. Yes. Yeah. 
and and that's one of the again integrated that's one of the things tyranny is trying to say about rulers and power is that these are just people mm -hmm. like by taking that metaphor of like you know an archon in this game is a very powerful metaphor for how we consider leaders in real life mm -hmm. you know like we tend to forget that people who we consider to be great leaders are just dudes yeah or just ladies mm -hmm. you know and you you run into this with uh you know, you look at something like, um, you know, if I look on Twitter and see people like worshiping Elon Musk, right? you know, like somebody makes fun of him and hundreds of people flock to their mentions to defend this person they don't know. Mm -hmm. Like that's an archon. Yeah. Like that is that is somebody who belief like mm -hmm. people's belief in them, irregardless of their action, even though like it is very clear to me that person is just a dipshit. Mm -hmm. Like they are there are things that you know, I'm sure that they're good at, but they have an over amount like a, too much belief in them. There's too much faith in them that allows them to get away with uh, human rights mm -hmm. abuses and bust up unions and say, our car doesn't need a brake pedal and all these <laughs> things that are clearly insane. Yeah. Uh, they get to do because people believe in them. That is mm -hmm. power. Yeah. You know, Just... and that is what this game is about. Like it is, it is about the, 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 we are all fallible. All these people who show up in the game and the opening state of the game are gods mm -hmm. are just people yes. that enough people believed were gods. Yeah. And that belief drives a whole bunch of action. That, yes. that, that, that belief has a material impact on the world around them. Yes. Uh, in, in a real way, human suffering and human joy is caused directly by that belief. Yes. And when one of the great things about the independent path of this is you starting to realize that and starting to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. Like when people start taking note of you, when you are a rising star in this regime, mm -hmm. um, it is because you have power and people start noting like, oh, that's going to be, you know, early on, like, you know, getting into things, there's these towers in the game and somebody tells you like, hey, everyone can see that on the horizon. That means something. Yes. If you own this thing that everyone in the in this area can see mm -hmm. whenever they look up, that's huge. Yes. And like that ultimately ends up giving you magical powers. It gives you literal power because that's the metaphor mm -hmm. of, of the game. Yeah. Um, really, really deft. Mm -hmm. Like just just really, really fucking phenomenal stuff just it just uh, um, talking about it jazzes me up yeah. i'm jazzed baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely jazzed it's so well considered gary yeah it's really really good yes. like really good mm. um the uh so and this will actually affect what you can do as well so if you have certain requirements um similar to new vegas like you will get the blacked out requirements like requires this kind of reputation mm -hmm. to say this uh, requires this kind of skill yeah to say this yeah and like um, like what, what i love about the transparency of this like you know if one of your companions or if somebody like chimes in and says like yes i'm gonna you know, i'm gonna step in and help with this you're like no no sell it'll actually tell you like you did or didn't like pass you know pass this particular mm -hmm. requirement for, for for that i like that amount of transparency to show you what is being oh, tested yeah. it's not a it's not a die roll right which is you know a way this is something that um New Vegas, this is a New Vegas innovation. Yes. You know, uh, the, like not having it be a die roll, just being like athletics parentheses, like you can do it. It shows up for you. Mm -hmm. um, having that be a die roll is frustrating um, because it's, you know, you don't, it's inconsistent and you can save scum it. And mm -hmm. there's no reason why you wouldn't because some of this stuff's very important. Right. Um, I like seeing the stuff that you can't do as well mm -hmm. uh, because it suggests a future playthroughs. Like it affects my playthrough when I say like, oh, this is a neat thing I could do. Like, oh, I really wish I could have, I could do this. And there's three grayed out options. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, if I had played a different type of character, I bet you I could do that. Yeah. Maybe next time like, I play if... or just, I want to read about it. Like it's cool that they anticipated a way to do that. Mm 
Yeah. And it, you know, again, imbues a lot of meaning to choices that you make very early on. Like, I'm really regretting not taking a past as a diplomat, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because you get to choose how did you enter into Tunon's service, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, And all that stuff, all those choices you make early on, like, things have a tail, like, there will be checks against your conquest phase, which we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. we're covering this episode, in the third act. Yeah. Like, in the end of the game, things that you did before the game actually began, when you're doing your choose-your-own-adventure, deciding how you entered into Tunan service, will affect the game. Mm-hmm. Like, integrated. Yeah. You know, again, the, the watchword. Um, this is not just, uh, there is, uh, you know, this is a modestly budgeted project uh, product. Mm-hmm. Like, the game is relatively short, as we mentioned. You spend your time in a relatively short amount of time in a relatively small area. The way they suggest a larger world and the story that happened before you, um, a lot of the way is through missives. Love that. Um, which are letters that you get. And these are really great. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just kind of a long form conversation system you have with the powers that be with the establishment, basically with the home base that you never actually see. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is really cool. I love getting these little letters mm-hmm. and I reading just... them and carrying on these little, <laughs> these little converse, these power plays. I just, I, these, I, I, coworkers. I love just fucking with those nerds who want to know about what who want to know about, about all the magic that I'm finding. Yep. Fucking nerds. And they're coworkers. Like and, and I like how it lets you kind of, you know, they're presented early on as neutral. And mm-hmm. if you respond in a friendly way, the fiction of your past changes that it was friendly. Mm-hmm. If you respond in a snarky way, the fiction of your past changes that it's always been that way. Yeah. Like you get to decide what your character was before you came along as well mm-hmm. through your actions now in a like really pretty clever way. Yeah. Um, um the the biggest way I would say that this stuff interfaces in a direct way and definitely in combat is through fear and loyalty of your companions. Yes. Um, this is really huge. This is this increases and changes their efficacy. It changes your combo abilities with them. It opens up loyalty quests. Uh, it's really important. Yeah. You want to interact with your party members whenever it looks like they have something to say. They signal that in a really good way, just with a little, a little speech bubble on their uh uh, portrait in the bottom left mm-hmm. corner. Um, and you know, like it could be that if you think, okay, yeah, that's just about learning where they grew up or whatever. No, you go in and you know, how you respond to what they have asked you that impacts, you know, fear and loyalty. Like you can use that to turn the screws on them to get the mechanical benefit that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Or just play the character you want to play okay. again, like integration, like you can be angling for an ability, but you can also in, in my world, you know, Barrack is my golem uh-huh. you know? <laughs> uh, or what have you. And we, we've, we've dumped on Barrack a lot in this. We'll talk about all the companions because it's right. an obsidian CRPG, like all these characters will get their due. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Barrack's actually really great. I, I like Barrack as a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just somebody who I don't, uh, he has a realization like Characters do pull of Iconia mm-hmm. in this. Like, characters do change. Um, I just, before we recorded, I haven't finished this yet for the replay, because um, we're recording this episode a little bit earlier than we ordinarily would do. Um, the uh, But I finished Versus Loyalty Quest, which doesn't soften her. It's not like when Viconia changes her alignment, which is a very <laughs> funny artificial thing to do, like, you know, get it notarized <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but she, you know, her, her loyalty quest involves a revenge mm-hmm. scenario and seeing how empty that is. Yeah. Like following this trail of revenge, finding these people, you know, similar to like Kill Bill or something. Yeah. You know, when she goes to get her revenge and like, oh, this person's raising a kid in the suburbs now. Yeah. You know, that shock of like seeing that, like her story is very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Barrick's story as well. Like he initially resists, you know, it, it's 
sets up as a thing is like, oh, good. I want to help my buddy. Mm-hmm. If you treat it like that, he does not want the help. No. <laughs> like his his specific curse he does not want out of and you have to coax him and convince him to want out of it. He mm-hmm. will resist you trying to do the good boy point friendship, the power of friendship ending with him mm-hmm. um, until eventually you can win him over. But he's it, he resists it uh, for reasons that are really work with his character and with his faction that he represents. Yeah. Good. Good. Just, it's so good. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. good. <laughs> he is good. Um, so we've hit a couple of these details and because this is its own setting that, you know, you don't necessarily have a libretto for, you know, like this is, this is not taking place in the forgotten realms where we can assume knowledge of it. And even if you played this a while ago, you may have forgotten like what these particular nouns are. Um, I think that it, it, it would be good here in the beginning to talk a little bit about like what this world is and what the major forces are that act on it. Usually we save this kind of, you know, table setting for the actual play, but here it seems important to me. Yeah, it's, it's worth talking about and it's going to kind of favor. I want to be able to just say dishonored mindset. Yes. You know, which is a pill. The Graven Ash cells. <laughs> um, sign up for Dishonored Mindset and take his, his nootropic load. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the um, so yeah, so this is uh, this is not this takes place in a world called Teratus, um, which has a flavor. Um, there are different areas that are implied, but the mm-hmm. area we are in is kind of Greek. Yep. Uh, f- flavored and really importantly and i think really neat Mm -hmm. uh is this is at the end of a bronze age um not an era where we get fantasy stuff almost ever yeah like swords and sandals kind of like uh you know bronze age stuff we don't get no Uh, everything is knights and steel Mm -hmm. um this is when iron is new and that is one of kiros's big advantages yeah is uh he has like a super weapon basically he has metal Mm mm-hmm yeah, he, uh, and he has huge. hard metal that can literally like cut through what everybody else is using for weapons and armor. Uh, I didn't realize this when I was doing like the conquest. It really it took a it took a minute to set in. Like, why are they so worried about the forges and stuff? Like, oh, that's a huge advantage that they have, and that's why the knowledge of this, like you know, misusing it is heresy. Okay, yeah. I I get it. That's a good well, and detail. Then, and not and what then I expected you draw at all. The... You know, the, the lines of with Kiros, any knowledge that he doesn't want you to have is heresy. And you start mm-hmm. like getting the cracks in Kiros. And it is, again, so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like it is just like really, really complete. Um, that Iron Age thing, like I think it, it you know, it's easy to look at this kind of thing or any CRPG really and just assume it is going to be generic Tolkien swords and sorcery. Right. Right. So like that, that feeling you had of like going through the conquest and being like, why do they care about the forge? What are the, you know, the forge bound? What does mm-hmm. this mean? Um is kind of like put i feel like put in your head in my head too like when i was playing it just from playing games Mm -hmm. like i it's very hard for me to think of very many games that they're in this kind of era with this this turning point of power Mm -hmm. uh it's really pretty rare yes um and and you you have to discard some assumptions based on it yeah um so kuros himself this is the overlord Mm mm-hmm uh, Kiros, uh, is people will refer to Kiros both as he and she, uh, during this Kiros lives in obscurity, um, is not around. Almost nobody knows anything really about them. You can ask about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who will interface with people who have met them, mm-hmm. but you do not meet them right. uh, in the game. And it is, uh, something where the name, again, the name has the power. Yes. Um, and what Kiros does, the reason why Kiros is the overlord and has his, all his power, um, is because of that iron mm-hmm. we mentioned before. And then 
Kuros has uh, Kuros has magic. The thing that Kuros is able to do is something called an edict. Mm-hmm. Um, and edicts are kind of gigantic spells uh, that are second edition genie wishes. Yeah. Like, this is so my shit. Um, <laughs> I cannot express how much I like the idea of edicts. Yeah. Uh, in it's this, it's like, like a cross between a WMD and a contract. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, an edict will be like, you know, Kuros will, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that happens in the conquest, um, there's an area that is resisting you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kuros says, okay. Um, there will be a horrific lightning storm that will rage over this area until the last living heir of this family is gone. Mm-hmm. And then that's <laughs> just true. Yeah. And saying those words, different people have the, the ability to say those words for Kuros and doing so like the magical force of it, like rips most people apart. Mm-hmm. Just saying the words yeah. uh, of that. I fucking love that. So goddamn much. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, yeah. I, I cannot like the, all of the edict stuff in this game are some of my favorite, like really cool moments in games. <laughs> like, and you spend a lot of time in this game. Like, you know, there, there, there are a couple that you enact um and at least on the path that you're on uh that, that you start on um sorry that we are on just to be more specific mm-hmm. like a lot of the game is about going and undoing these and like claiming the power that enacted them as your own because as this fate binder you know as a person who is on this path toward power like you, you can do that you are a perfect vessel for this you are not torn apart uh you yep. uh can take advantage of it and part of understanding Kiros's power and what's at the root of it is understanding how to undo these things. You know, an edict is the driving force for the first chapter of the game. So act one, yeah. like Kiros is so displeased with um basically what numbskulls, like what nitwits the archons are who are yeah. running the war. So he says, All right, well, um I'm gonna I'm going to enact this edict. Everybody who lives on the tiers will die unless um, uh, one of my agents has control of this particular spire by this particular day of this particular yeah. month. Eight days. Yes, you have yeah, eight days to do it. But because everything is so legalistic, like you think, okay, this is this is a strict time limit. Not really, because Kairos never actually specified the year that it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. He, he, it's uh, it's really, really good, and the fact that like you're doing that second edition genie wish mm-hmm. thing, you're you're. Subverting the spirit uh, without subverting the letter, mm-hmm. and then other people are like, "Did you subvert the spirit? What was the you know?" Mm-hmm. Like I lo- like one of my favorite again. The dialogue in this game is really sharp. Where someone was like, "Well, Kiro sent you to kill all these people. That means he was probably okay with them dying, right?" And I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like, like I'm doing exactly what he wanted. Like, it, you know, it. it is. Yeah, it, it is a really cool touch. Um, yeah, I just, I love these. And the, the, uh, the fact that you can say them is not just something that fate binders can do because even fate binders die from doing this. Like you are special, you are an archon, which is the other aspect of his, his power. Like you don't know it at the beginning of the game, but other people start calling you this and other people calling it, you, it makes it true Mm -hmm. essentially because belief is power in this world. Um, archons are basically like superheroes and supervillains. Um, again, just a catnip for Gary. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a character you can talk to as just kind of a, you know, tell me about. You know, like tell me anything at all. Where they'll they'll cycle through things uh-huh. and you can be like, tell me about some of the past archons. Uh-huh. And it's all you know, oh, the archon of plague was this, you know, mm-hmm. or the archon of slime. Yeah, and this you know, all was, these and titles this was just very, sound so good. So evocative. Like it brings an image yeah. and hearing about their downfall because they're they're mortal. You know, yeah. extremely <laughs> mortal. Like 
there's there's Greek god flavors to this. Like yes. there's one of the things you can learn about uh, one of the major archons, which we'll talk about, uh, mm -hmm. the voices of Nerat, how there was the archon of Wind, who was like the speed character. Mm -hmm. And the voices of Nerat uh, challenged them to a race and then put one of his, like had a double with his mask mm -hmm. at the finish line, like basically just tricked him and then absorbed him and made him spend 10 years as the archon of gullibility. <laughs> Uh, in in the, the name of everyone in like his weird psychic black bug room uh -huh. um really fucked up shit but it just like oh this is really it you know it really reminds me of greek gods yeah like yeah that, that feels, that feels intentional yeah yeah very very much so <laughs> very petty um <laughs> yes uh, and the way these things work is they'll tend to be something that is true of the character mm -hmm. in a mortal sense and then becomes a suit the metaphor becomes real uh, they become a supernatural version of this. Mm -hmm. So, like a really good example of this, the the one of the first ones we run into is a character named Graven Ash. Yeah, uh, Graven Ash represents uh, one of the major military factions here, the Disfavored. Um, we'll talk about them at length. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Graven Ash was this great general, this great leader who really, really cared about his troops, mm -hmm. and that became part of his legend, where people believed, like, oh, like I have his blessing. Yeah. And because people believe that they did have his blessing yeah. and that became his superpower and curse. Like their, <laughs> their motto of that thing is Graven Ash protects mm -hmm. uh, and he can take on their wounds. Like they can get hurt and he can heal them by taking their wounds. Yeah. Um, um, the metaphor being true. <laughs> yeah. No, it's horrible. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's horrific. <laughs> like none of the archons are happy. No. Uh, except for mine. Well, yeah. yeah. Except for Garen, Archon of Spires. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, I just, it's, it's super enjoyable to have these larger than life figures and to know exactly where they come from and from which, from whence their power springs, um, is just a really, really, I mean, a really useful, satisfying, really a rewarding thing to learn about in the context of this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we should talk about the, the disfavored. Yes. A little bit what they are. They are one of the major factors, factions here. And like the short term, you know, shorthand is lawful evil. Yeah. Um, this is the fascist wing mm -hmm. of, of Kyrus. This is an elite military, um, really, really loyal, uh, very rule-based racist. Yeah. Um, they believe in absolute superiority. Um, the reason why people are being conquered is because they are weaker and shittier. Mm -hmm. And we have the best equipment, the best training, and we deserve to rule uh, basically through power. Mm -hmm. um, and we are going to go into this place, kill everyone who resists, and then make the trains run on time. Right. Like, that's us. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you consider the, you know, like the civil war in this to be the, you know, to be like anything, I, I look at it like the, um, the Persian, or sorry, the, the Persians versus the Spartans, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the Spartans, this, you know, very small force of, you know, kind of homogenous LinkedIn ruled by law. The Persians would be the Scarlet Chorus, the, the Scarlet Chorus, which is run by the voices of Nerat. Um, yes, this is a really self-contradictory group. This is, you know, a horde of criminals, uh, taken from any and all place. Like they do, they do not reject anybody, uh, but they also mm -hmm. conscript, you know, people who they fight and conquer are brought in, uh, leading to this, you know, force that overwhelms with numbers that will go in and it's a bunch of criminals. There's no real rule. There's no real law, um, <laughs> to, to, to them, as long as they end up serving the voices of Nerat, uh, additionally, 
internally they work through subterfuge like this is the faction that does like spy master kind of stuff uh it's the faction that you know exerts power through like you know <laughs> seeding mutiny within particular uh, uh you know uh cultures and towns and things like that and this is aided by their archon the voice of nirat who is this master interrogator uh who basically shows people the deadlights um, he has yeah. this power to absorb the, the, their mind into themselves, like into the voices. Um, and everybody is kind of just really, really afraid because voices of Nerat is the archon of seeker secrets. There's kind of the sense that they yeah. are all seeing. Yeah. He, uh, he, you know, clearly no longer human. Right. Absolutely. Like off the rocker, mm -hmm. uh, at this point, um, the, uh, and, and one of the things that they do, you know, we talk about conscripting the way they do it. And again, inspired by real life, right? Yeah. Like you look at uh, decimation, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, uh, when they go into a place, they, they win when it's clear they've won, they throw everyone into a pit with weapons and say, yep. Hey, kill each other. Yep. Like I don't kill care your, if family, it's your family, yeah. be the last person, yeah, be the last person standing. The people who don't fight end up dying. The people who do fight end up living and they're like, okay, now you get to join us. All, mm -hmm. everything's forgiven. Yeah. You're part of us now. And they do things where it's like more people live mm -hmm. under the, the chorus, right? Is that better than <laughs> just getting killed or enslaved by the, the disfavored? Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like it is the fact that these are both just different flavors of, of evil. It's not like these are good guys and these are bad guys. Like mm -hmm. one of these can appeal to you more yeah. than the other one. But there is like a sense of, the Scarlet Chorus being kind of unpretentious uh, in their evil mm -hmm. uh, and the disfavored being a little bit more like, well, we, you know, everything is business as usual. Make the trains run on time. Like this is order, mm -hmm. you know, masquerading is evil, but they are both, uh, both horrible. Like yes. it is really hard to put a hair between which one is worse. <laughs> um, I think that the voices of Nerat is a worse person probably than Graven Ash. Um, Graven Ash is not a good guy, but the voices of Nerat is like big Joker vibes. <laughs> yep. Um, I wish they had not given him the Joker voice or yeah. like the Skeletor voice in this. Yeah, that would have uh, um, that would have helped if he was a little bit more like monotone, menacing. In general, I don't really care for the for the voice acting in this. Just you know, I don't I don't feel like mm. they made a lot of very good casting choices, honestly. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the specifically with the voices of Nera, it does it did not particularly help. Uh, there are the exceptions. I think Barrack is really good. Hmm. Like I think Barrack is good. I think Lantry's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, verse is not great. That's not great. Voice yeah. of Nerat is not great. I, I generally agree with you. I think yeah. with some exceptions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but yeah, I don't understand why anybody, uh, let alone Kairos, let the voices of Nerat live. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is he didn't like oh, he yeah. sent you because he knew that you would do <laughs> you what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You would take him out. Like he said, "Hey, if nobody wins this, people will die on this date." Because mm -hmm. uh, he was okay with them dying because yeah. partly because like they are absolute shits. Mm -hmm. But also, this is the last section of the world to conquer. What use of the voices of Nerat when you have the world? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, this is just not a useful tool anymore. Right. You know, Kiros is not an idiot, which mm -hmm. is one of the things I think this game does a really good job of, like, you're not getting one over on them up until you do. Right. You know, you think you are at many times, but Kiros's idea of, like, letting people do things that are not in opposition to Kiros's goals, mm -hmm. you know, while, like, find the ways that people want to advance their own goals that also match Kiros's. Yeah. Uh, and let them do it and think they're operating under their own auspices. Mm -hmm. So this so, con this, con this conflict between um, the, uh, the the disfavored and the Scarlet Chorus, like that's going to drive a lot of the decisions that you're going to have to make, um, you know, mm -hmm. just because their methods are so at odds. You know, this comes to light in the um, 
and the conquest kind of the choose your own adventure opening to this you know where you you know you learn that like when you roll into a place the disfavor would rather burn it down so that nobody would ever be able to use it again whereas um the scarlet chorus would say like no let's leave it intact and then just you know take it and exploit it let people live there but have them be you know just uh, assimilated into us um they're almost mm-hmm. they're, they're always at odds with each other um and that eventually turns into the civil war that you have to inhabit in act two they also their personal issues they have with each other oh, of course. like there are there's a grudge between the leaders it's not just a philosophical difference it's also these individuals because the gods in this are human yes you know and do not like each other mm-hmm. um our main character the fate binder uh, works for a third archon we'll interface with a lot named tunan uh, tunan who is the archon of justice um, this is the person who uh, educates Kiros's law, um, and you are kind of like a splinter of their power. They are the high judge. You are a lesser judge. There mm-hmm. are several of you. Um, a fate binder is kind of a diplomat. They're mediators, and mostly they are people who can invoke these edicts. Yes. Um, you get the sense there aren't a lot of these people because they tend to, again, they tend to die uh, yeah. when they invoke these edicts. It's really, really hard on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, to do so, but you act with the authority of the court and the mm-hmm. authority of the law. Yeah. Um, your positionality in this game is really interesting. Like whether people, uh, you know, you get the sense of like just being far away from, um, you know, civilization, like far away from the rules. Yeah. So something like, uh, you know, you're there and maybe somebody does not, uh, agree with you. You have authority, but what does your authority mean? <laughs> you know, hundreds of miles away from the person, who, you know, the army that would enact it. Mm-hmm. You know, so some people will cow to that. Some people will go along with that and some people will not. Yeah. And those kind of those those masks drop, you know, with act two. Yes. Yeah. You are on the frontier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another faction that is going to be important here is uh, um, the Oathbreakers and generally the inhabitants of the tears. They're called the Oathbreakers because they initially swore loyalty to Kiros in the uh and you know before the game even began but uh there was a rebellion and there are different factions mm-hmm. that are working against um you know the the instruments of kiros's rule uh and so you know what you're trying to do in take this you know in taking this place over is stomping out any and all resistance and rebellion uh there are a couple yes. of different factions under this um you know there's the venturing guard uh basically any of the individual kingdoms and lands have their own have their own group of people who broadly fall under this category Yep. Uh, and there's a playthrough if you, you know, to play as the good guy in this game, to to be a hero in this game, which is possible, mm-hmm. they hide it. You know, it is difficult. Yeah. But you can join with the Oathbreakers, and that playthrough is about building a coalition of these different people mm-hmm. uh, to to fight back against Kiros. Yes. Um, so if it is a game where, like, you know, the idea of stomaching these evil acts does not appeal to you, but the other things we're talking about do, mm-hmm. um, you can play this game and be the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit difficult. Like, maybe it's worth looking at a guy just to make sure you get your your favor you get your... up enough to get the, the right choice at the right time. Yeah. Uh, but just know it is possible. Mm-hmm. It can only uh, happen in act it. one. No, no. What we're doing yeah. is the cool thing uh, because nobody's going to rule us. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody's um, going to rule us. I love yes man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Give me the I, yes man. I love man. the yes man path. Always, always, always yes man. Yes man. Yeah. Um, and, yep. your, and your yes man here uh, is another archon. He's the archon of shadows, a blade and Mark, uh, who helps you because he's bored. <laughs> yeah well and because he sees which way the wind is blowing right yes. yeah. like again like there's there's an element of blendmark is really cool in this he's the royal assassin mm-hmm. uh essentially the archon of shadows um and 
he, you know, he's bored. There is this element of like when you do things that are for power, he encourages you. But he's a little bit like the outsider. Yeah. You know, in, in Dishonored, like there's a little bit of like, hey, why not actually just you have this. He sees this opportunity you have before you see it mm-hmm. and says, like, listen, you are you're on the frontier. These people aren't listening to you. Why are you listening to, you know, Kuros? Like, mm-hmm. why are you this is your opportunity to stake something out very powerful for yourself. Yeah. And you do so and you can succeed or fail mm-hmm. in that um, you can end up, uh, you know, winning this person over. Like this can become your Archon of Shadows. Yeah. This like very, you know, uh, little '90s image comic badass, a bit, right? Yeah. Like there's a little bit, you know, a little bit of that. Uh, but you, they can become yours. Same thing with Tunin. Tunin is your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, he can become your judge, yes. your adjudicator, if you play your cards right. <laughs> in this, um, so that's talking about path is worth mentioning. You know, we both said we're both doing the Anarchist Path. I originally I played this game before. I did the Anarchist Path then. The moment in which I realized I could do it is one of my favorite moments in in gaming. Um, (laughs) And I intended to sit down and play it as another way. Yeah. uh, When I sat down and then I was like, you know what? It's I played this when it came out. It's been three years, almost four years. Um, I or, you know, it's been a couple of years. I just would rather uh, do this thing I know is cool and I like it. Yes. I think it's the coolest narrative. It feels really good. Uh, what that means is we're not going to talk about everything. If there aren't right. four people on this podcast. We weren't <laughs> going to be able to talk about everything anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but we are both doing the same playthrough because I think, you know, because it's the coolest one. Yeah. I think that's the one that appeals to us most. Yeah. And it appeals to my own personal leanings anyway, because, you know, both uh, the voices of Narat and Grave and Ash are fucking goobers. And I would not, uh, yep. I would not side with them. Uh, and you know, like, I, I guess if, if it was me, I'd probably, you know, me, I would probably try to lead the resistance, but given that this is what this game is, uh, uh starting out on my own path feels like it would be mm-hmm. more satisfying. I just, I want to, uh, rub salt in everybody's eyes. So that's why I have gone, it is. gone down the path of anarchy. Yep. And who knows once I win, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be Kuros. Yeah. Like Gary's piece is not going to be uh, so horrible. I promise. <laughs> um, the, uh, so in broadly the path that we're missing, um, I mentioned that the, the good guy path is about assembling these different peoples mm-hmm. um, and kind of like, there's cool things that you do in that is my understanding. Like you are staying just under the law, yeah, you know, or, you know, just, uh, just under the notice of the law, um, the disfavored path, you do a lot of the same things. You're dealing with a lot of the same issues in both of the faction paths. Uh, they end in different ways. Um, the disfavored path, um, ultimately the, the good ending for that is, uh, you know, Graven Ash, you eventually end up leading mm-hmm. the, the disfavored, like Graven Ash will sub- submit himself to you. No. You know, like you can convince him that you're actually the leader of this faction and, mm-hmm. and do that. The Scarlet Chorus one is incredibly cool. I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here at least I'll talk about it when we talk about the end game. Yeah. Um, I haven't done it. I just read about it uh, this morning um, and it's awesome. And it makes yeah. me want to do a Scarlet Chorus playthrough, even though the voices of Nerat is not somebody who like a <laughs> lie uh, with that psychopath. You should not be. But able, it sounds uh, awesome. He should not be allowed to live and he is not allowed yeah. to live. Yeah. Nope. And, but you can you can do a cool fate worse than death thing with him mm. uh, or or just go with him. Like you can also yeah. just join him. You don't get to lead that thing, but you get to do a cool thing at the end of that path. Yeah. So someday I'll play this again and, and do that. Yeah. If, if I played this again, I would do uh, I would do the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can talk about um, the development of this game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this began um, as a pitch in 2006, which is a decade before it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, game development is nuts. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> takes a long time. Um, originally called Fury, and then it was called Defiance, then it was called Stormlands, uh, which was the title that uh, Microsoft brought on as a potential launch title for the Xbox One. Right. Um, but that fell through, uh, and Obsidian was in really rough times in the early uh, 2010s. Um, they were pretty much on the verge of dissolving. They would not have been able to make this game uh, if they didn't successfully kickstart Pillars of Eternity. Um, you know, again, mm -hmm. back in like, what was that, 2012, 2013, they did that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they were able to, you know, a big reason why they were able to do this is because they already had the engine from Pillars of Eternity. Right. Um, this is a lot of DNA, even though it's like 10 times more ambitious. And I, I would say, you know, way better, like twice as good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is a compromise about this, though, because it wouldn't be an Obsidian game without compromise, right, um, <laughs> is that it was originally supposed to be much longer. Yes. Um, there are three acts of this game. There's an art book that came with certain versions of the game that alludes to Acts 4 and 5. Mm -hmm. And something that uh, we'll talk about is when this gets to Act 3, it does feel like a pretty quick wrap-up. Yeah. Um, it is. I'm looking forward to touching the DLC to see if it makes that feel a little less abrupt. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, like, I was ultimately, when I played this, very satisfied because it did things that no game has done really for me before. Mm -hmm. But it's not mm -hmm. a perfect story. It reminds me actually a lot of Mankind Divided, yeah. which was a cool story, really cool play, lots of good ideas, but also ends much more abruptly than I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, our, our boy, Chris Avalon worked on the early versions of this game. Yes. Um, but he actually left Obsidian in 2015. Um, would love to know the story of that. They seem like they're on good terms on like Twitter and such. Oh yeah. It, um, it was, it was pretty no. bitter at the time. It, it, it wasn't, it, was it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was not, it was not nice. Now it's like, you know, outer, outer worlds came out and he was really nice about that. They've yeah. said nice things about each other mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know the story. I don't think anyone really knows the story there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but. like he, you know, he didn't have his hands on the final expression of things, but, but you know, what they talk about is like, yeah, there's, you know, there's characters in there that he came up with a concept for their characters that came up the name with the name for it. Just, uh, you know, we talk about obsidian, when you talk about Chris, you know, Chris Avalon's relationship, like in my mind, he had much more of a hand in the stuff that has come out like since pillars of eternity, since tyranny, uh, not necessarily <laughs> the case. Yeah. It, it, it is uh, the danger of auteur. Yes. You know, any kind of auteur thing. Like, he's not considered an auteur because mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a writer. But it, it is very tempting to say, like, oh, yeah, Torment is good because of Chris Avalon. It's like, well, there's actually a lot of different writers that worked on that. <laughs> right. One, yeah. of my, one of my favorite things, you know, I've, I've talked about the Fallout Bible mm -hmm. a lot. That, like, amazing document that I had a, a print copy uh, company print me out a book version of because I love it so much. <laughs> nice. Um, the, uh, and he is so quick to just give credit to, like, all the other great writers on Fallout, too. Like, yeah. yeah, I did this part, but this other thing. And I'm like, oh, I love that thing. He's like, yeah, this guy did it yeah you know it, it wasn't all him so you know that's one of the things about obsidian like the the kind of mild response to outer worlds you mm -hmm. know people have landed on that game as being like this is like a b obsidian game like yeah. it's good but it's not their best work mm -hmm. it's like a reminder like the company has other really great writers it's not it was never just him right it was never just chris mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah credit where credit's due yeah yeah yep, yep. uh this game was pretty well received um generally people mm -hmm. you know love the story like all the ambitious things that it does but you know the biggest bummer was the combat for a lot of folks mm -hmm. uh, additionally that kind of abrupt ending uh the sense of kind of you know weird pacing you know where you see the development resources kind of running out um but that feels pretty par for the course for obsidian in a lot of ways of course yeah, yeah very much so i mean i'm really hoping the dlc kind of shores it up i'm being really curious mm -hmm.
Uh, so let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, the, the beginning of this ends with something called the Conquest. Uh, the beginning, you get like an opening scroll, uh, which kind of just explains the setup, all the stuff we talked about, um, the overlord Kiros, uh, who he is, his two armies they sent, the Disfavored and the Chorus, mm-hmm. the Scarlet Chorus. Yeah. Um, you do your character creation, um, in which you get both like narrative and mechanical choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to choose how you joined Tunan's court. Um, you also get to basically choose a class you know, your primary and secondary skills and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the conquest comes, which is a choose your own adventure uh, thing, similar to the beginning of something like um, Overwatch or not Overwatch, uh, Firewatch. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, where you are setting the stage, how you behaved up until the point where the game begins. Right. So you're picking your role in the initial, you know, um, overrun of the tiers by Kiros's forces. Um, and mm-hmm. generally like what it, you know, what it does is like at the start, you know, like, okay, the, like, how did you take the walls? Who did you fight with? Were you there alongside the elite disfavored or were you sowing discord with the Scarlet Chorus when it got time to take the bastard city you know like who did you decide to deal with and how did you decide to do it and there are different little perks that you get not just you know the consequences that you're going to see later like this will unlock some skills and give you a couple of uh, additional abilities at the start Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and if you are going to try to play this as the good guy Mm -hmm. last this is where that begins right like you need to be making choices here that are merciful Mm mm-hmm no, um, as you go. Yeah. Uh, but in general, you're choosing between those two factions. It kind of just gives you a, you know, you're not starting from nothing. Right. A more interesting place to begin the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, also not just and, not just selecting an item out of a menu, out of a menu. Like, you know, there are huge resources, there are settings that are, you know, whose fates are determined. Like, the disfavored ended up holding Lethian's Crossing, not because I agreed with what they do, but because Lethian's Crossing, you know, was a major source of iron. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this will actually impact the world as you you go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where you get your setup. Right. You know, the idea. Um, we also learn a little bit about the backstory. There is one of the Archons, the Archon of Stone. Yeah. Uh, Kieran. I <laughs> haven't uh, rebelled. Uh, we, we find out that, which is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll deal with that. Yeah. Um, and Kiros is sick of the entire thing. Yeah. You know, uh, sends you to uh, to read an edict. Um, as you get behind you, he seals the passage behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to make sure no one's getting out and you're trapped you have eight you know eight days but he didn't specify the year as you mentioned right you have eight days to uh to get somebody to the top of the spire and control the region or everybody dies right um and that is always Kiros's thing like a lot of the edicts before are sent you know um you know not just to uh to to punish his enemies but also to punish his allies for not being good enough you know ultimately a lot of Kiros's allies are pretty disposable oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that like, this yeah. takes us to the opening. This takes us to the actual place where the game begins, a quest called Welcome to Ruin, uh, where you are, um, you know, sealed in right after you arrived in the area um, and you meet your first companion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so uh, you get there, these Oathbreakers attack. And they're fighting. You meet up with um, somebody named Verse. Yes. Um, who is sent by the voices of Nerat. Uh, is uh, one like an elite soldier mm-hmm. for the chorus and your first companion uh, you get. Um, we should probably talk about the companions when you run into them. Yes. You know, like not their whole loyalty quest, but just kind of basically what they are and their mechanical purpose. Yeah. Um, versus verse I played with my first playthrough. Um, I don't have her during my second playthrough, even though I rejoined with her long enough to do the loyalty quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I like verse. Um, I think that like the voice acting is not great, but I think that 
her character as like a non like like non pretentious like she does not pretend to be anything that she's not mm-hmm. um and she is not uh it's not like she is just on board for willingly torture for no reason she's not a zealot um, she's she's not a zealot uh she you know she supports you getting yours uh you know displays of power and not taking any shit mm-hmm. uh but she is not just like yeah let's skin them alive right <laughs> you know she's not that yeah, she 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 understands. Um, she she's she seems to be more pragmatic than the rest of the Scarlet Chorus. It seems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and mechanically, the function she fulfills is either like a uh, DPS um, kind of like dodge tank, almost yeah. like a a high agility uh, tank character or a frontline character, or a ranged kind of stealth utility. Mm-hmm character yeah um really really powerful uh starts with an ability to shoot a flaming arrow at a character um being on fire is a very powerful status effect it puts them in the penalty as you box. might imagine yeah <laughs> yep puts them in the uh the, the writhing penalty box um from from deus ex 2 <laughs> i'm toast i'm burning i'm immolated um the uh so it puts them in that so she is uh really really useful initially mm-hmm. uh and also has a very good um penalty box style combo ability with you called blood soak stone mm-hmm. where uh she knocks somebody down and you stab them on the ground Love and it. a lot of the combat in this when you are engaging with it tactically is about turn denial mm-hmm. um even though it's not turn based so it is about giving people stuns and knockdowns um effects that stop them from acting for a time because the time in which they're not acting is just free damage for you yes yeah so i so. always i always seek those out um in mm-hmm. the uh in the uh talent tree or what have you false pit false pit is uh, really really powerful very good yeah um but she comes here uh she has obviously been sent by the voice of nera to keep an eye on you um and to guide you Mm -hmm. uh into his clutches uh but yeah we you know we pass through this is a very simple um combat area you meet a second group of of oath breakers and you're joined by uh you know a kind of a minor minor figure in the scarlet chorus this blood chanter named mocking blaze we're going to be dealing with him later on uh and you're just cutting Mm -hmm. a swath through this um, you eventually get to the kind of climax of this section where there is an oathbreaker who is holding a disfavored captain hostage uh, named Drastus. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, you can handle this in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can just say like, fine, take him. Mm-hmm. Um, you can attempt to save the disfavored captain. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any stat to kind of juice this, like you'll fail. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll kill the captain. Um, if you have high enough athletics, you can uh, get the rush. Mm-hmm. on him uh you can deceive him as well um to to get the drop on him and kind of uh you know uh conquer the the hostage situation that way mm-hmm. kind of win it that way there's a bunch of different ways you can do yeah. this something i like about those individual checks you know for things like subterfuge for things like lore and athletics all of those are incredibly useful i think that lore is ulti- lore has ultimately gotten me the best results when i've when i've used it um but mm-hmm. just because you pass it doesn't mean it's going to succeed if you lie to them like they can say oh that was a really good try however i know x y and z you can use lore to you know you can use uh athletics to try and intimidate them that might not necessarily go through you still have to consider what will be a good tactic for the situation and for the person at hand well and they just give you different even if like in situations where all three things work they give you different results yes so like intimidating somebody with lore will affect the characters who know about that Mm -hmm. you know uh so if you you say like actually you know we're having this fight under a spire that's incredibly dangerous uh the people are like oh shit magic like they're gonna leave (laughs) which means you're gonna 
the gear of their mages. But if you just are a total badass, mm-hmm. you might get rid of some of their warriors. Yeah. It allows you to kind of tailor uh, in, in a way that's really interesting because you tend to, you know, as playing this time, I'm playing a warrior. I'm playing a, a big two handed sword uh, DPS guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, so I have high athletics. Um, and this is before last time I played with high lore mm-hmm. with high athletics. You tend to intimidate warriors, which leaves the mages. Yeah. You know, whereas vice versa, like if you are a mage, you might intimidate the mages and leave the warriors. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of left up with your your uh, your opposite number yeah. are the people who are left. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really interesting. Usually I just get rid of archers, which is great too, because the archers are really annoying in this game yeah. because of the uh, engagement, <laughs> you know, the, the attacks of opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, I let Drastis die and I was like, go ahead, fucking take them. <laughs> like human shields yeah. can't work. Um, yeah, Drastis sucks. Yeah. Um, and Aurora takes command for me. Didn't gain me any real favor with, uh, with the disfavored. The thing is because there are so few of the disfavored and because of how Graven Ash's power works, any individual loss of one of them is devastating to the entire group. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's a really big deal. I didn't know so. that here, but it comes out later on. We just like when you're, when you are poking at and trying to learn what the individual weaknesses of these archons are. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, on our way back, where we were on a mocking blaze again, um, he uh, they have a prisoner here. Mm-hmm. Um, Aurora, this character named Aurora, like who who shows up, says like, "Hey, what do we do with this prisoner?" Uh, mocking blaze wants them to be recruited. Uh, Aurora says, "No, they need to be executed." Mm-hmm. You know, because they're just going to take up arms against us. And they're saying like, "Hey, your 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 scouting teams keep defecting and disappearing. Yeah, <laughs> like your your thing is not working. Right. And they're like, no, this is the rule. Like this mm-hmm. is what we do. It works sometimes, and it works good enough. Yeah. You know. Um. So generally, I let people live and get conscripted. Mm-hmm. Uh. In this, like, I in this prologue or in the act one rather, I sided with the disfavored more. This this go around just to mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. Um. But I would I was not. You know, I'd let people get recruited. Yeah. And you can you can you can do this for multiple ways. You can be like, yes, this, you know, the disfavored don't know what they're talking about. The the Scarlet Chorus have the right way. Or you can just say, hey, it's the law of Kuros mm-hmm. that they're allowed to do this. Yes. You know, you can actually just kind of pull rank. Yeah. It's very yeah. funny how something as just completely chaotic and disorganized as the Scarlet Chorus invokes the laws of Kuros as like a protection. Like, no, our fucking madman tactics have been sanctioned. And in fact, if we don't do them, you get in trouble. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. There's an element of just like nya about it. Yes. But it's also like I think that they think that, you know, it is effective, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. one of the, the both of these factions are equally effective and ineffective, yes. which is kind of the premise of the beginning of the game. Like neither mm-hmm. of which is the right way. Yeah. But neither of which is clearly worse. Right. You know, um, uh, so this... afterwards, you're told uh, by somebody you have to go to the disfavored camp, which yeah. starts our next quest. What's important here is that uh, the, the the Oathbreaker that you find, they've got this parchment that has a recruitment letter written in a bunch of languages. Um, seems like gibberish mm-hmm. at first, but it's actually like a Rosetta Stone putting out a call like, hey, the resistance is mounting and it's going to, you know, we're going to find it in all these different lands. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. our, our first task is go to the disfavor camp uh, to learn about the conqueror's will. Um, and mm-hmm. you can, like there are a couple of different like encounters, like they're not random encounters in the base game here. But like when you get to the disfavored camp, you can stop and talk to this merchant. Uh, who is being held up by the disfavored to learn about the shakedown racket that they are doing with yeah. trade permits and such. You can learn like exactly how um, the disfavored would choose to like interact with the people and their different freedoms to, uh, you know, do stuff in the land. Mm-hmm. 
And this will have uh, consequences later. Like this merchant, you know, you find out that they're stealing stolen wares. You can say like, hey, we need somebody. We need a merchant. Mm -hmm. You can say like, hey, give up all your stuff. You can ask for a bribe. You can do a lot of things like that. Um, One thing I want to mention, um, there are there are random encounters in the game. Like this is not a random encounter. This is just kind of part of this map. Um, but the way this game does random encounters, I actually really like, mm-hmm. um, the way they, they do them as choose your own adventures generally, mm-hmm. um, where like, sometimes you'll get ones that are just combats. Uh, some of them are scripted, but sometimes you'll get a thing where it's like, oh, you're at a bar and someone decides to get into a knife throwing contest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can test your athletics. If you do well enough, your characters will get a little moodlet, like they'll be in a good mood or you'll win money. Um, you'll gain favor. Um, you can end up exhausted, things like that. But it just gives you a little stat readout of the the consequences of that random encounter. Like, you don't have to play it. Is this, it's just like a little writing thing. Is this a function of having the DLC installed? Because I have not encountered a single one of those. The only, I don't the think only, so. The only times that stopped me, um, the only time is, like, taking me into, like, hey, there's an encounter here. Or, you know, spe- specifically when I was traveling, um, was for, like, story important stuff. Like, when I first met Eb or when I first met Kills in Shadow. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's not it's not just that it might be a DLC thing, but mm-hmm. I, I remember them from the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, it may be that I am taking uh, once the time limit is gone in this game, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fakey time limit. I am I've just the, the order in which I decided to do things is some pretty long paths. Yeah. Like it's like this will take you six days to get there. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like it's, 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 a, it's, a little, it's a little pixel moving across the screen. Yeah. Don't threaten me like that. Um, so I, I've taken some really long trips because mm-hmm. um, they're not, they don't happen every time. Like they're yeah. still fairly rare. Yeah. So it might still happen for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not optimizing for like short things. And I might be wrong. Yeah. I yeah. just, I just, I, I might just get, be like, wrong. That sounds cool. Like, like the, uh, the, the little uh, choose your own adventure things, but I'm just, I'm just not seeing them. Yeah. Yeah, they're neat. I did. I did something I legitimately felt bad about because I, I wasn't trying to be this much of a tyrant. Um, but like somebody, something got out of control where I ran into some kids who were like, uh, basically like starting up like a little miniature rebellion. Okay. Um, like talking shit about Kuros and stuff. And I uh, tried to punish the kid, but it got out of hand and I ended up like killing him. And I'm like, oh, well, you, know. <laughs> you just brought but my version of the binder doesn't murder children. Like yeah. there's a, there's a choice later in which I choose very specifically not to murder children, not because I'm a a good guy, but just uh-huh. because, like, I don't know, I'm not a, a kicking the dog, mustache twirling yeah. villain. I'm not Fate Binder Joker. Fate Joker. <laughs> <laughs> fate Joker Tunon. Something to call um, the Joker the, uh, of Fate. But yeah. Yeah. yeah the Joker of Fate. <laughs> the, um, yeah. So I just, I just fucked up. Yeah. And all my companions were like sick of my shit. Like nobody liked it. Like, and I was just like, well, you know, even like, the people I was trying to go for loyalty, it was like, you've lost loyalty with, you know, everybody. with Landry or. Yeah, I'm not actually going for loyalty with Lantry, yeah. but I did lose it with him. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, um, I hope those are in in your game and they're not a DLC thing because they are cool. Yeah. So, so uh, when you you pass this by, or you can just say, "Fuck it, I don't have time for this. I've got I've got gods to see." Uh, you go to the central tent and you can find Graven Ash and the voices of Nerat just bickering about the earthquakes in the region. Like, okay, you know that there's you know there's an archon of stone who has been like you know. D- just ruined by Kairos. Do you think maybe that's the thing? No, I blame you. Graven Ash was his, his boss. Like the Archon of Stone worked under Graven Ash. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like, that's where that's coming from, but mm-hmm. it is, Voices of Nera is not having a debate. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he is here to needle Graven mm-hmm. Ash because he's a joker. Right. Figure. Yeah. Um, you can listen to them for a while. Like <laughs> you oftentimes have, 
you just let it go. Like I love that you have the option to be silent in this this game. Or to glare like, I just silently. This conversation, glare silently is so good. Um, <laughs> at one point uh, later in the game, somebody called me out for that. They're like, "What are you trying to do with that? <laughs> like, like, are you trying to intimidate me? Like, I because I was, did it a bunch of times in a row. <laughs> I just really like love, love that. Um, yeah, well, I, I love can, that. You can, like, the... you can you can you can do you have the option to do a couple of things. You can glare silently or just wait silently. <laughs> just different flavors yeah. of silence you can do. Yep. <laughs> yep yep um it reminds me of like in the walking dead how you could like not you not say things sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's used a very different effect but yeah. that was the first game i remember seeing where it's like oh i could not do i could just be quiet that's a good choice you know, it's crazy yeah. that that's that's an innovation you know? <laughs> um, if you just sit there and like watch them talk for a little while um as the voices of Nirat is needling graven ash and this can happen a couple different ways in a couple different orders mm-hmm. but he will start talking to you psychically like he has psychic powers right uh, and this is a really clever interface thing yeah um he talks about uh twirling his, his scepter mm-hmm. and it's a different color text and if you highlight it this this thing that is in the interface has all been tooltips and codexes becomes mm-hmm. dialogue um with and he and it's really neat he's like hey uh you know cough if you can hear me yeah uh, and then you have an option. It's like cough loudly, cough politely, say out loud, I can hear you, which yeah. I never did because it's like, oh, shit, you know, it seems scary yeah. uh, or ignore it. Like you can play play games with that if you want mm-hmm. as well or pretend to, to you know, play dumb. Yeah. Um, so fucking neat. Mm-hmm. Like it is incredibly cool. Yeah, it is. A, it is an incredibly good choice to make with the interface that they have. Like, oh, we have this tool available to us. We have a character who might take advantage of this. Do it. I don't know. Again, integration. Integrate your shit, guys. <laughs> integrate your shit. Like a way to, to express psychic communication in a mm-hmm. game about text where yes. all communication is just going to be words on a screen. Yeah. You know, like the, like the really, really neat way to actually kind of express that idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, really, really cool. My tack in this was basically to say, hey, children, uh, we're all going to die if we don't take Ascension Hall. So can we get can we put our eyes on the prize please yep and when you say it there's like a big effect like it makes the world shake yeah when you declare this edict Mm -hmm. um there and every this does shake uh everybody there Mm -hmm. um so they they put together a plan they finally kind of come together even though they're they don't get along they just say like okay we have to do this you know um the disfavored are going to cross the river the chorus are going to take the outer valley and you are there to help them because you are you're all ostensibly on the same side. Yeah. Here. Um, and these so are you, different, you, uh, different opportunities to gain favor or wrath with them by uh, fucking up their missions or doing them in a way that they do not care for. Yeah. Or a way to uh, seed sedition and get exposed to the good guys if you're trying that. Yes. Like these, these are all this, this first act really is a tutorial. Like in a longer version of this game, this would be a prologue. Mm hmm. Because it really is just like, hey, go do a mission for both these people and get to know them. They're going to be your friends or enemies or both during the rest of the game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So because I liked the chorus a little bit more, I decided to go to the Scarlet Chorus Camp to uh, start taking the Outer Valley. (laughs) And um, Um, you can do this in in any order. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you get there, like, you see a little bit of interrogation happening at the start. You know, you've got an Oathbreaker prisoner who is, you know, just tied up on a stake, right? 
and you can mm-hmm. go and interrogate for the captain here for fifth eye uh somebody who i took a lot of pleasure in killing later uh the prisoner attempts to lie but you know i passed a subterfuge uh check to catch her she says like hey uh there you know <laughs> if you if you want to know where we're at uh there's an encrypted note in this burn comrade's boot just go over there and nudge around to the corpse pile and pull it out mm-hmm. um there's a lot of like things you can do on the way here that give you flavor of the Scarlet Chorus. Yeah. Um, and things that kind of reveal their relationships. Like each camp has some emissaries from the other camp that are there. Mm-hmm. And none of them are participating really in good faith. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to, I can't remember the name, but you can go talk to the disfavored <laughs> scout that's hanging out here. And he's just like, yeah, these people are fucking nuts. <laughs> like we're just, you know, basically playing cards and ignoring them and not doing what we're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, there's a part on your way in where you can run into a conflict between two gangs. Um, that is like the the organizational structure yeah. of the Scarlet Scarlet Chorus. And, uh, you know, one person is challenging another one for supremacy and you can step in and basically like <laughs> kick both their asses. Um, you can, you know, favor one side mm-hmm. of things like that. You can come in uh, and verse will have things to say about this yeah. if you come in and kind of take that power. Yeah. So they're, they're, these are rich little areas. Um, there's also in each camp that we go to, there's a merchant, um, there is a, a place to rest and there are trainers. Um, mm-hmm. We should talk about the skill training system um, and basically the economy uh, in this, yeah, um, uh, skills. So there are trainers who will train you in skills. Uh, once you get up to a certain level, you'll level up on those skills, but you only have a certain amount of training you can do per level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this costs money. So you, you run into a, you know, one-handed trainer, you can pump your one-handed, uh, weapon skill up. And if it goes up to a certain threshold, you'll gain an actual level mm-hmm. just through money, not through adventuring. Yeah. Um, um this can get expensive. Uh, but early on, it's a really good use of your your money, which is rings in this world. Yes. Uh, bronze, silver, or gold rings. Uh, there's other resources, like you have skins and you have, like, what, scrap? Something? They're, like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're multiple Scrolls, there's, I think there's five of them. Yeah. yeah Iron ingots, scrap. These are things that will upgrade your base, which is a, a thing that will come later. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be used to upgrade weapons and armor. Yeah. Um, and and do crafting and stuff. Like, it's, it's actually the economy item game, and this is actually pretty complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, we talked a little bit about earlier, um, about combat and stuff. There is a camping supplies, which are a big thing in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you rest, uh, you, your characters will automatically regain health, um, after battles. But, uh, if you fall in battle, you get a debuff, um, you get what's called a wound, um, and a wound, uh, lowers your max HP and eventually can stack up with other wounds to give you other debuffs. And these are removed by resting. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to rest after every combat since, you know, if it's a minor wound, you know, you don't have to sit around and cast healing spells or do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Your heroes will just regenerate. But if you do fall, it ta- you have to take a knee and yeah. take a nap. Yeah. This isn't like Baldur's Gate. This isn't a D&D thing where you're taking long rests. You know, <laughs> okay, well, I, I moved to a new room in the dungeon. Let's sleep overnight. Let's just let's just kind of like sit on yeah. this for a little bit. Yep. I'm going to spend uh, 30 days in this dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and the uh, the weapons and stuff, it is really, there is an annoying thing. You know, we talked about like the 0. 0.3 frost damage. Like yeah. comparing weapons in this, the, the medium numbers RPG-ness of it mm-hmm. uh, doesn't serve it. Like it's pretty hard to get excited about a new weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about, a broad way of, you know, in Abject Suffering, we talk about games where, like, we stop playing because we're bored, we stop playing because they're hard, or we stop playing because we run out of time. Mm-hmm. Another, like, broad categorization of games I was thinking about is games where I level up with enthusiasm or games where I wait to level up. Yeah, yeah. And in, in this game, like, after an adventure, I go into a dungeon, I just do that whole dungeon. 
the end of it, I do all my levels up and I take stock of my equipment. Yeah. I don't like when I pick up a new weapon, I'm not excitedly comparing it with my stuff. I do it all at once mm-hmm. as kind of a part of the rhythm of the, the game, like a phase. I treat it like a tabletop you know, thing that's... where like you level up in between sessions or after like yes. after a big, uh, you know, big set piece. And, and that speak, you know, technically I think that does speak to a weakness of it. Cause it's not as exciting to level up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you get some cool powers in this. Like I like the skill trees. I think you can get really significant things, but finding a new piece of equipment, a lot of it, because there's this sense of realism, you know, like if, if this is an army with the Vendrian guard, you're going to find a lot of Vendrian guard swords. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty much the same. Yeah. You know, there, there's that touch of realism. So finding just a, a sword tends not to be super exciting mm-hmm. um, or going to a merchant and looking through their swords. Like, hey, the Scarlet Chorus is not selling like a magical blade. They'd be using it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're selling Scarlet, Scarlet Chorus shit. Um, so I just when I get to that rhythm, like after the adventure, that's also where I evaluate all the equipment I picked up, get my guys outfitted, go to the store, buy anything that's really good. Mm-hmm. And then I just start the next phase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. So and there are artifacts that are really cool weapons and stuff. There mm-hmm. are unique weapons. We didn't we talked about reputation abilities. We didn't talk about uh renown abilities, which are tied to artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, where the longer you use this thing, it gets a reputation. Mm-hmm. So you can have a sword that if you use it a lot, people see it in battle, they believe that you have this ability and then you have it. Yeah. Uh so different weapons can also get really cool buffs if you stick with them. Mm-hmm. So Neat stuff. Sorry to just do it aggression, but I no, no, yeah, not really talked about the economy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big uh, it's a big system that I just neglected to put into the into the first part of the notes. Yeah. It's quite art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh let's talk about so well after you get this note out of the boot. Mm-hmm. Can't um, read it. Um, nobody can read it. <laughs> it's not because it's encrypted, really. It's because whatever sage wrote it, um, you know, just, just because literacy isn't a huge thing down here, the sages have a monopoly on writing. Uh turns out one of the other um one of the other uh, prisoners here is a sage who was taken uh, taken prisoner uh, from the burning library or what is now called the burning library. He says, Hey, um, <laughs> like I can probably help you with that. Maybe if you let me down. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this is, uh, this is Lantry who fifth eye wants to kill. Uh, and I don't want to mm-hmm. kill. <laughs> yep. You can say, no, this person's useful. He's under the protection of the court. Right. Um, sages are not just a job in this. It is a faction. Mm-hmm. They are a group of people who are, you know, learned men who who ran this library before, but it's also like a, a seat of power. Yeah, it's a little bit like a Brotherhood um, of Steel. Uh, they they hoard knowledge and keep it from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Which Kiros obviously has a problem with. Like one yeah. of the reasons why literacy is not a big thing in this world is because it's not really legal. Like you don't get to just be a mage and be literate right. outside of the confines of Kiros's systems and this, because the thing Kiros wants the most is controlling knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lantry as a character um, fulfills a couple different roles. Uh, this is your first mage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he slots best as a healer. He has like a, a bunch of very powerful healing feats. Yeah. On this, he can also be um, a all purpose magician or kind of a stealth um like disrupting character yeah which, uh, according to online is very powerful but i never took him down that path no i i just i always had a more much more of a use for a healer is the thing mm-hmm. um he fights with like he fights with sharpened quills as his uh, as his dagger yeah. which is a neat little flavor thing but like beyond just like the initial one where he can do a piercing attack like i i enjoy that as an opening gambit for him um i mm-hmm. I, I also expect him as a healer 
I, I like that a lot of times in the skill trees, you can have a bread and butter move and then you get skills that add things to it. Yes. So like, you know, my main character as a melee character has a thing called thrust. So mm -hmm. I, it's just a, a special attack with my sword, but I put a bunch of points into adding things to it. So when I thrust an enemy, it marks them. So other characters do more damage to them. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with Lantry's quills. Like it, it starts as something that interrupts uh, enemies, which is very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, characters will get a little like, cool countdown on their thing when they're casting a spell or doing something you'll get a little symbol with a little timer on it mm -hmm. and when the timer runs out they'll successfully do it if you're able to interrupt them before they do that it stops their action yeah um so i believe that there is a powerful way to make the spec lantry for this i have never done it i've always played him as a healer yeah so and mm -hmm. just kind of general mage like he's also my attack spell guy since my other mage is a debuff mm -hmm. character yeah um i like lantry quite a bit as a character uh because mm -hmm. he, he is a spy uh he puts on this act as being kind of a uh, a doddering old man but that is absolutely an affectation he is not you know like yep. he, he comes across as somebody like you, you know you can you can think of him as somebody who would be like oh this is this is a a, a, a companion from a different game he wouldn't like when i do tyranny ass stuff turns out he's a little bit more immoral than that he really just wants to act as your chronicler like you are doing mm -hmm. important and interesting things me in my function as a sage like i benefit from following you and you know making note of this i can improve my reputation by like publishing your publishing works about your acts yeah yep and when you do if you do something straight up like oh i tortured a guy or whatever yeah. he does he will Fight, like, hey, was that strictly necessary? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lantry for me is the most fun character to uh, rule through fear. Um, <laughs> you know, I love doing it to Barrack, but with Lantry, when you do badass shit, um, you'd be like, Lantry, take a dictation and then just do something horrible. Uh, and it is, again, just amazing flavor uh, to that. <laughs> It's weird because um, like my character oddly has high athletics, um, you know, so high athletics, high lore. I'm a magician, uh, a more capable magician than Lantry, but I still bully Lantry for being a nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, the, the bigger nerd is, is, is beating up the smaller nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the nerdy nerd world. You know. <laughs> Craigslist uh, casual encounters around packs. <laughs> um, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, but to get Lantry, uh, at least for me, you know, just, okay, well, to, to, to release this prisoner, like there, there needs to be a trial and in the, uh, in the Scarlet Chorus, uh, it's trial by combat. And so I fight mm. alongside Lantry in verse in order to get a, in order to get him out of his prisoner contract. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what choices brought me to this, but I was able to just say he had the protection of the court. Oh, well. Like, I'm conscripting him. He's mine now. Yeah. I own him. Mm -hmm. And then I think that the the um, fifth eye pushed back, and then I headbutted fish, fifth eye in the nose. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think that it was just a, a might makes right thing for me. Fuck fifth eye. Um, regardless of how you get Landry, uh, he translates the notes. Um, it should be noted that, like, before you have a party of four, this game is much harder. Mm -hmm. um, and it's designed so you get your party members gradually. So... Early on, if you go the other way, which I did, um, you don't have a healer or a mage at all, mm -hmm. and it's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, getting Landry first is probably advisable. Yes. Um, so he translates the notes, uh, reveals that the leader of the Oath Oathbreaker forces uh, in the Outer Valley is in a place called the Tripanettle Wilds, or the Tripanettle Wilds. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, he will come with you as a chronicler uh, mm -hmm. as you go and try to talk them into surrender. Right. You know, go try to kind of break that stalemate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I travel. I travel over that way. I didn't like go check out the other camp and start the other path. Uh, so on my way to the Tripnettle Wilds, uh, I had a, you know, a random encounter 
I was pulled into this little uh, um, conversation with a water witch named Ebb. Uh, I forget the actual name of this faction, but she's the last of them. Basically, the Tidecasters. The Tidecasters, yeah. Her entire school of magic was just wiped out because they were uh, not considered reliable. Like, they could not be used mm -hmm. alive. Uh, and she is the last yep. one. And she is kind of joined up with the Oathbreaker Resistance. Mm -hmm. um, you can get this is a companion. Uh, you either get her through force if you do any path, but you can get her if you join the good guys. You can get her earlier. Yeah. Um, not here, but you get her during Act One. Mm -hmm. um, she uh, basically, you know, she invokes the laws for a parlay. You know, and you talk about prisoners. Um, I had already dealt with one of somebody she knew. She knew mm -hmm. at this point and killed that person. Yeah. So you know, I you, and you get a chance. You can even be cruel about it. You can be kind about it. You can lie get that, about it. <laughs> You can lie about it. Yeah. Like they're still alive. They're still out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And characters not magically knowing when you're lying is one of my favorite things that video games can do. Yes. Um, I love video games where you can lie. It happens all the time in fiction and in real life. And when games where every character is just a weird truth bot, I feel like that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, that is a big obsidian thing and a big WRPG thing. Yeah. Like in JRPGs, my characters never lie. Mm -hmm. Why? Well. <laughs> you know, the fate of the world is at stake. Like, why wouldn't you lie to Shinra? Mm-hmm. You know, just go walk up to them and tell them what you want. Yeah. You know, fucking idiots. Um, the, <laughs> Play the God, angles. You know, Come it's on. So dumb. Play the angles. Like, it's, it's so it's so kiddy. It's so dumb. Um, the uh, So she eventually will just leave. Like, I don't think you can fight here. Right. Um, but this is just to introduce you to her as a character mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, I used her during my first playthrough um, and may, uh, she is extremely powerful. Uh, Tidecasting is very powerful. It has to mm -hmm. do with positionality, but also really powerful debuffs, including uh, a drowning one where you put a sphere of water <laughs> over someone's head, which is like incredibly powerful. Um, we, we, we call this the reverse diver. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's very much that. It's like your Mysterio is having a bad day. Like Mysterio <laughs> in the rain. Damn, my suit flooded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, she has this thing called Gravelight, which is the power of the moon in this world, uh, mm -hmm. which deals with life drain. Yeah. And the uh, the Gravelight path, the end of that's incredibly powerful, like heals all your party members and damages the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, so she is a very, I think as far as like the NPC mages, mm -hmm. she is by far the most powerful for damage mm -hmm. uh, in this. Her personality is a little wet bread. You know, a little, little wet bread, white bread. Yeah. Wet yeah. bread because of Ebb. But like, she's not that exciting to me as a character. Right. right. Um, yeah. Same. So, yeah, I just <laughs> I understand that she's powerful, but even though I got her, I sidelined her because just she didn't really have a role in my party because I was a mage. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, the first time I was a mage, I did her Eb and and or her verse and, and Barrack, mm -hmm. like two mages, two fighters, and it worked. Yeah. Um. You know, this time around, since I'm not a mage, I would have room for her, but I decided to go with uh, all characters I didn't use the first time. So. Yeah. yeah. So um, I get to the Tripnettle Wilds, and this is a combat dungeon, some tyranny-ass combat, um, and ultimately mm -hmm. um, break the camp by lying to the leader. I say, like, oh, the disfavored have your brother captive. Uh, we can do a trade. You know, you just come with us, send your send your people out. Uh, let us you know, <laughs> basically get out of our way, and you can come see him. Of course, the brother was dead. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he surrendered to and me. And even if their brother is not dead, you can you can leverage the lives of his men. Mm-hmm. You know, he can sacrifice himself for the lives of the man. But what is going to happen is the voices of Nerot are going to eat his brain. Yes. Uh, and add him to the collective. Like <laughs> there are multiple ways you can lie to this guy to avoid this final encounter. Yeah, it's really deliciously evil because he sends his dudes away. Uh, and then the some more corps will come up and say, all right, we're going to take him. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Yep. Um, and yep. all I have to do is fight off the second guard when it arrives. I don't have to fight the main the main force. Mm-hmm. Yep, the choices you make influence the battles integration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go uh, the other uh, kind of side quest before the end of this act is you go to uh, the Battle of Echo Call Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, you go check out the Disfavored Camp. Again, there is a Scarlet Chorus uh, person there who is just kind of not doing their job, just taking the piss. Um, <laughs> go talk to your trainers or whatever. Uh, we talked to Iron Marshal uh, Arrhenios, who is the uh, the main guy here and the person I will be betraying later, um, who says, like, hey, you need to take this camp on the river so we can protect these troops while they fjord right. the, uh, the river or the river um, and sends uh, Barrack along with you, who Beric. we mentioned uh, in the first part, <laughs> Barrack. Feet binder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, I think Barrick sounds like a weenie. <laughs> I, I I he he's a he's a weenie. He's a total nerd. Yeah. But he, I think he's he's good at it. Like he's he's got a, a stick up his ass. Yeah. You know. Um. He is. This is a really interesting character as well. Like it yes. feels like Barrick, if he believed in himself, could be an archon based on what happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such an like he just his uh, loyalty quest involves unpacking the tragedy behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is a, I, I watched the, um, the Noah Caldwell Gervais video on tyranny mm-hmm. again, and his phrasing of this, I'm going to borrow. Like I try to be mindful of when I borrow things from that guy, but he's like, uh, Barrick is a victim who doesn't think he's a victim. No, oh, yeah. you know, like he thinks that he's just, this is all just service, but mm-hmm. he had this horrible thing done to him by Kiros mm-hmm. and ultimately, but you know, and by Graven Ash and does not see it that way. No, no, he doesn't see the way, they, uh, the way that he's being used. Yeah. Um, uh, which makes him right for using. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he's a mark. He, he's a mark is what he is. He's a mark. He's a total mark. Absolute mark. Um, so his whole thing is he survived the Edict of Storms, which in my playthrough, I read. Okay. I'm pretty sure you have to do that during the, the intro. I don't know if you have to, but I, right. I did. It's one of the ones you can um, do, but it, it gets it gets read anyway. Like that region is still all fucked up. But yeah. yeah. Um, and because of this this lightning that happened, it fused him with his armor. He cannot take off his armor. Right. Um <laughs> and this is really cool. This is very like shades of uh Valior or Valor mm-hmm. from uh Torment. Mm-hmm. You know? Um when you talk to this guy later, there's like things where he starts doubting that he exists. Right. In the armor. And there are ways, you know, if you're being cruel to him, you can tease it. Like, you can be like, hey, how do you, like, do you ever, you know, do you masturbate? Like, how do you go to the bathroom? Like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah. You can just be like an absolute shithead to him. <laughs> and he is this, like, very stiff. Like, it's fun to mess with him mm-hmm. in a way that reminds me of Pocket. Yeah. Like, Pocket can be kind of like a little, like, nerd, you know, and it's fun to mess with them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's yeah. weird that you think your cat's a nerd, but okay. He's a total nerd. <laughs> Pocket's a total dork. His big thing is like reaching up to the blinds, getting stuck, and then looking over at me like I did something. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, that's very nerd behavior. And do it, you fucking nerd. <laughs> like, Solve your own I'll problems. Stop doing it. 
yeah uh but just the like Bar- barrack he, he is completely fused inside this armor like it's it's like the my brother my brother and me gag the shitty iron man this dip me in bronze but oh no i didn't leave a, i didn't leave a poop or pee hole like when you yep. inspect him you know, he reeks of sweat feces and whatever oil keeps him mobile he has to keep on oiling himself because he is basically a golem with human meat inside and one of his yep. worries is that like i i if i if i do exist in here um i may just dwindle away and be nothing but, but armor at the end of this he's afraid he's going to go black knight yep uh which he would because it you know this very powerful magic yep. was involved yeah in and this thing i mean do we like i know i know something about like what is ultimately doing this do we want to talk about like why he is a victim and why he is being used by graven ash Sure. Yeah, we can. And we'll talk about this stuff more in the second episode yeah, when we yeah. like we'll do like a roundup and talk about all the companion quests and everything. But we can kind of mention that now because it's yeah. the cool mystery. So it was yeah. it was fused to him. Uh, but because of the protection that Graven Ash has over him, uh, it, <laughs> the armor is considered to be a skin. Whenever he tries to take it off, the protection of Graven Ash f- is what fuses it back onto him because it is considered it to be a part of him. Yeah. Yeah, it literally heals. And what's really cool is you can go and take him to Tunon and be like, hey, you know, what about getting this guy's armor off? It's like, why would Kiros want that? Mm-hmm. He's more effective with his armor. Yeah. You know, like uh, we order no one to do this. Right. Like every you will just die in that because that's what serves the overlord best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very tragic. And he's good with it because yeah. he's a toady. You mm-hmm. know, he is uh, he is a pathetic little worm. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but he's my worm. <laughs> in his relationship, so, yeah. you know, you show up here, you've already got verse in your party. Uh, he's got this really belligerent relationship with verse. They have a history. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. what they do with that is way more interesting than what it seems at first. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, he is a tank. As uh, two things, you know, as we mentioned, he is either a damaged sponge <clears throat> or a damaged dealer. Um, he's very good as a damaged sponge. Yes. Um, um, you really, really can engage like basically an entire other force yeah. uh, and really just kind of stand up to a lot of punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, really no, valuable I, as a tank. I saw that he had a taunt and I was like, yes. And then you can augment the taunt by, by saying like, oh, he can be in engagement with, I think, up to like four other people on the other side. I mm-hmm. think it's like three or four, uh, which is yep. incredibly overpowered and opens up basically a whole other slot for me to throw in a mage to do more crowd control. Yep. Yeah. Really, really effective character. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not using this uh, this run through because my main character uh, is is somewhat somewhat like that, and I'm experimenting with the other tank, yeah. who I like way less. But I'm just trying to engage with characters I didn't engage with the first time. So yeah, uh, my least favorite character in the game, mm-hmm. which we'll get to next episode. <laughs> Um, so your main goal here when you get to Echo Call Crossing, you know, as the Fate Binder, you've got to mediate between the chorus and the disfavored at this battle site. Things have gone very, very wrong. Uh, you can mm-hmm. hear the lieutenants are bickering. Many soldiers uh, have died as this, you know, one of the main bridges that they have to get across uh, has been destroyed. Yep. Um, Eb did this. They have a Tidecaster. Right. Again, like the last of the living Tidecasters is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a cool, like, one of the things I love uh, that CRPGs do a lot of times is um, get around budget constraints. Mm-hmm. Like showing this water flood over everybody might be kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. But we, we're just told that it happens and we see the aftermath. Right. You know, so like, yes, like crossing a river, having a Tidecaster can probably hold a river, mm-hmm. you know, very easily. Um, but we don't have to see that. It's not flashy. Right. You know, it's very modest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you uh, you go to cross the bridge and the Oathbreakers pull up a drawbridge um, and you say like, you can you can say like, <laughs> hey, let me cross and there'll be mercy. And they flip it. Like people swear in this game. Yep. Like, like they, they just use modern 
slang uh-huh. like versus fuck all the time yeah, yeah. um you know and it, it's i have mixed feelings about it like at some point she starts talking about an old gang she belonged in called ass gang <laughs> and everything about ass gang sounds weird to me <laughs> it's extremely like Pornhub tag it has a weird <laughs> phrasing to it you know like it's, i don't know ass gang <laughs> like, I've been, I, the first time uh, i was in portland it was when we I went on tour and we played at a, a place for house shows and it was known as the butt club and it was just like, oh, we're going to go play at the butt club. Like, there's just something about that that's, I don't know, <laughs> what part of a butt? Like, what, what function of the butt is this? What function of ass does this gang engage with? It's unsavory. You know? it's, uh, un- unsavory yeah, is, is probably it, the right way to phrase it. Yeah. The shit gang or like, the, you know, is it like the shit eating gang? Is it the butt fucking gang? Is it like the, the ass kicking gang? Is it just the, you know, why, why? Why would I you just, ever call yourself the ass I gang? Just, I, I love what that says about the Scarlet Chorus that you can just roll with a crew called the ass gang and you're a part of yep. your, you're part of the organization. Um, you're proud of the ass gang and anyone who makes fun of you like in this world me being like why would you call yourself the ass gang would get my throat slit yeah because they would just beat me up because i can't i wouldn't make it in the fucking course immediately like here take up your weapon and kill your friends i'm like really you know and then that'd be it for me so like (laughs) what what i love about this drawbridge and about making the demands is how little power i have here but like i'm playing tyranny so i'm going to try and flex and i say let me cross and all like and they call it out like that like like it's just because you're playing tyranny it doesn't change the situation they have all the power here and it's fucking funny that you think you can talk them out of it Mm -hmm. yeah well again no people aren't acting like a fucking idiot in this game yeah you know, like that would be again, I just feel like it's better writing that they they recognize that like a lot of times you will when you get to the end of one of these lieutenants or when you corner them, you're like, why are you fighting? Like, you're mm-hmm. no, you're going to lose. Like, yeah. you should surrender. And I feel like in some games they would just do that, you know, and this one, though, they're like, listen, it doesn't. Here's the argument yeah. why I wouldn't do that. Like, it doesn't matter if I surrender. I don't want to join the voices of, you know, the the, the chorus. Mm-hmm. And if I don't surrender, I will be a martyr. Like they, they, they make kind of cogent arguments about yeah, it. They but- don't just like. You say know. yes or no yeah if, if, if the op if the option is living under you or dying standing up uh i will die standing up because that death will be more useful um than mm-hmm. you know surrender so yeah. it's not just like me. them just saying yay honor or whatever like it actually like they make a point yeah like the, the writing is more sophisticated than i'm used to mm-hmm. in most video games it's very good so good job yeah. um so this creates uh you being there can create enough a distraction for the the chorus to set up a, a crossing rope um, on this other bridge down river i love when, i love when you go to do this barracks like yeah that rope's pretty pretty flimsy i'll go last <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh yep. um so you you get across you do some fights um and uh let the drawbridge down and they're in this little village mm-hmm. um that you have to clear yes uh kind of going through um this is your first really tough fight this is in the really game. hard um like you gave yeah. me the tip that like oh you like you need you need to um, uh, manage your choke points, right? Yeah. Yep. Choke points are really big in this game yeah. uh, because of the engagement system. Um, so it has a little bit of like, you know, positionality matters mm-hmm. in this. Like it's another way in which this combat system is a little bit more complex than it initially seems. Um, and most of the battles are set up where choke points, like you get to make choke points because characters have like an aggro range. Mm-hmm. So if you put your your character, if you put your barrack who can engage four people mm-hmm. at a place where anybody who wants to get to your mages has to go within like an arm's length of him, yeah. they can't do so without taking a big attack. Right. Like you can make a choke point. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to, to the turn off the AI. Though, you have to turn off the AI so that yes. they don't follow you. Yeah. Like the AI is not good. The way that um, 
the the real time with pause nature of it mm-hmm. makes this tricky. Um, and the other thing is there's a, one of the big disappointment I had with Pillars of Eternity, like the, the one example I point to that it was like my disappointment with that is early on, there's a thing where you're taking a keep. And uh, in Baldur's Gate, I am used to like, I know the bad guys here. I'm going to send some summon monsters at them yeah. to soften them up and start the encounter before the game is ready. And you can't in that game. Like as soon as you summon a monster, it switches to a cutscene. Your characters stop and listen to each other. Blech. And then you get into a fair fight, uh, mm. which I never want. Yeah. In a game. Um, Tyranny is not that bad, but it, it has shades of that. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot, a lot of characters, you cannot attack until you've done your talk. But uh, sometimes you can. Sometimes you can actually pick people off. You can draw away allies. Like if there's a lieutenant who has a piece, like, yes, you have to talk to them before you kill them. But sometimes you can draw away their allies first, mm-hmm. not just through dialogue. Like there's a little bit more freedom than that. Yeah. So with something like this, like you can put somebody up as a choke point uh, for this encounter, get your backliners behind them, turn off their AI so they can pepper, you know, the people engaging with Barrack with arrows. Mm-hmm. You know, Lantry and Verse can do that. Um, and that can help you. You have to kind of preset the battlefield. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not divinity. It's not as good as that, but it, it's better than Pillars was. Yeah. So once I figured it out, I was like, OK, yeah, there's like this is a wrinkle. This is an articulation of the combat that I didn't expect. And I can start meeting it more on its terms as opposed to hitting my head against a wall like I was the first couple times I yeah. tried this. Yeah. And it can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is meant to be kind of a wake up call. Yeah. Um, this is a comparatively hard WRPG. Yeah. I'd say on the normal difficulty. So. Mm hmm. So, yeah, like she's she, she's left. She's left alive. Um, and I choose mm-hmm. to enslave her. I send her to the chorus. Um, at this point, yep. I didn't know that she would get shown the deadlights. So I probably would have yep. killed her if I knew that was what was happening. Um, and I also chose to save the village instead of burning it. So I sided with the chorus both times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, generally, I let the, let the people live. Mm-hmm. Um, when you return to the disfavored camp and report to the Archons, they're fighting again. Right. Um, and, uh, this time they're talking about, you know, listen, we've done the things we need to do. We're going to lead the assault on the Citadel. Um, who is, uh, you know, who should, who should lead this assault? Yeah. Who gets to be at the this vanguard? point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. at this point, like, I don't know that it's, um, I don't know that it, like you could, you can choose to be neutral on this. Like, I, I think that you have to pick one or the other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I ended up choosing, uh, again, I was doing disfavored until I wasn't mm-hmm. just to, to do it. So I ended up having the disfavored, uh, this articulates in minorly different ways. Yeah. And it changes the Makes starting, sense. the starting condition for the assault on the Citadel. Um, mm-hmm. but regardless, like this conflict comes to a head, like the, you know, each of them, both, you know, voices of Nerat and Graven Ash want the glory, um, of taking mm-hmm. this final spire of getting the edicts, um, you know, <laughs> of, of getting the edict dispelled, et cetera. And like, Graven Ash attacks like that, like they fight each other, and it even comes out that Graven Ash is working with the Vendrian Guard to a certain extent. Like this is the like this is the beginning of the Civil War. This is the the, you know where the schism comes to a head. And it's both, which which is interesting because later on, also it comes out that the Scarlet Chorus had agents in the Vendrian Guard. (laughs) That's really funny. Like, and that's what lends so much like credence to the idea that Kuros's whole idea was for you to come and kill them both. Yeah. Um, This is also the conversation. I can't remember exactly how it articulated uh, that it came out that uh, the voices of Nirat uh, basically deadlighted Graven Ash's son. Oh yeah. um, At this point, like had him. So like the bad blood that is personal between them is huge yeah. and insurmountable yeah they're never it, gonna it, get over it you know 
yeah, it makes sense that they don't get along. Like, it's not like, oh, I wish there was a way to get both. Like, no, like this was never going to happen. No, no. Um, at this point. Um, yeah. So you get, uh, you get different, uh, at this point for me, because I had, um, chosen, uh, the disfavored path, the voices mm -hmm. of Nerat leaves is, um, after they get into like a, a brief scuffle, mm -hmm. his Lieutenant, um, sends him away. They teleport away. <laughs> um, and Graven Ash was like, you know, this cannot be hand over your spy. And like basically said, hand over verse, mm -hmm. um, you know, and at this point you can flex the court, just be like, nope, this person's under my protection. You can say like, actually I'm feeding false and you can like draw Graven Ash aside and be like, I'm feeding false information mm -hmm. to the, the voices of Nerat through her. Like there's lots of ways to keep her or you yeah. can hand her over, mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple places you're asked to sacrifice your companions in this game and mm -hmm. you can always do it. It's yeah. not like a, but thou must thing. Right. Right. Um, but I, I liked verse and I wanted her for this next section. Uh, so I did not. Yeah, of course. Uh, for me, uh, because I sided with the Scarlet Chorus and Graven Ash attacked, uh, I like was knocked out and woke up outside the Citadel, or when not, not outside mm -hmm. the Citadel, woke up outside the camp. Um, uh, <laughs> Barrick was attacking me, uh, and Verse attempted to stab him, um, and I ordered him to stay at least until the Edict to stop, stop saying like, mm -hmm. "Hey, you're a lawful boy, right?" Um, and things ultimately yeah. work out between Barrick and Verse because of their relationship, which we can talk about later. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, that can happen a different, a uh, couple different ways. Mm -hmm. um, I also ended up going to the Scarlet, meeting this this character at the Scarlet Chorus camp, even though I was on my way to the Citadel here. So I oh, can't yeah. remember when I met her exactly. Yeah. Um, I think I was turning in a quest, like I was coming back to mm -hmm. get a reward. Yeah. Um, but there's another Archon uh, at play here. Yeah, she was a big deal in the uh, in the conquest for me. Uh, dealing with her mm. and her um, thralls, let's say, uh, Siren. Yes. The uh, the uh, the uh, Archon of Song looks like Siren, but it's yep. Siren, uh, and she is a teenage girl. Yep. Um, and she, from a very young baby, she basically has the ability to uh, make people feel the emotions yeah. that she's feeling through her song and do mind control. She and she's had it since she was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, which again, making the metaphor real, right? Like. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the cry of a, of, a, of a hurt baby is a distressing sound. You mm -hmm. feel a distress when you hear a baby cry. Uh, that was powerful enough and people believed it enough where now it is literally true. Yes. Where she can sing and her voice and people follow her. Um, mm -hmm. She's another companion. You don't get her until act two. Right. But I'm rolling with her this, this go round. Mm -hmm. um, Archon squad. <laughs> um, and she is uh, an incredibly powerful uh, buff and debuff character. Yeah. Um, she plays like a bard from Pillars of Eternity, if you have played uh, that game. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in like a bard, she does not have to. You know, one of the things that I think Obsidian did a really good job in updating the D&D &D formula was like, it sucks that you give up an entire party member to have this buff. Yeah. Like the bard just stands there and sings. What if they could sing and swing a sword? Yeah. What uh, so they just make it a bonus. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but she's very powerful. She's an interesting character. She is not uh, evil. She's just really damaged. Um, you know, as you would be if people, you know, if you could influence people's emotions from a very young age. Yeah, yeah. You, would, you wouldn't um, have developed you, uh, the necessary compensatory muscles, let's say, socially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the her arc is revolves around kind of teaching her that there is a better way than than just that. Like you kind of make her grow as a person. Yeah. In her arc. Um, it's not necessarily being a good person, but it's being, you know, getting, uh, getting maturity. Maybe a little bit more of a complete person than she starts out. Yes. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, I was not able to call her on this. Um, she no. starts mind controlling you when you when you get there, but you have to have a certain lore amount to call her out on it. Yeah. So uh, one of my companions ended up snapping me out of it. <laughs> this made her respect me. She was like, oh, you're interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to get her into my party. She's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like her voice actor uh, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, it's like a little like, it's like weird. Her voice is squeaky. Yeah. You know, uh, in, in a way that I don't love. Um, yeah. But she's a really, really valuable party member. Takes a little while to get going, but she's incredibly powerful. Yeah. So, so I go talk to Five Eyes. Yep. I'm like, okay, Dick, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yep. and Five I'll... Eyes, burgers and fries. <laughs> and I will be the vanguard of the vanguard. We're basically going to do like a like a direct attack. Um, and who, mm-hmm. who was your lieutenant that you were under? Um, the guy, the the guy we talked about, who is at the uh, Marshal Aranos, Iron okay. Marshal Aranos. Yeah, yeah. Um, this section is actually very similar, regardless of who you play. You end up coming at the uh, the thing from different different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, both both factions have uh, somebody trying to break down the wall. The um, for the uh, disfavored, it is the Earthshakers, the remaining loyal Earthshakers. Mm-hmm. And there's a side quest you can do with them to go grab the remaining loyal ones yeah. uh, if you side with them. So they have some Earthshakers. Um, otherwise, the uh, Scarlet Chorus have their Blood Chanters trying to break through, but either way you have to go uh, scale the wall on one side or the other to stop the people who are trying to interrupt their magic. Right. Uh, so they can actually storm the gates yeah. and open up the courtyard. Mm-hmm. So lots of little skirmishes as you make your way into the courtyard and clear it out. Uh, but ultimately mm-hmm. you do open up the gate. Uh, and this is where the chorus and disfavored meet. And this is where the civil war starts. <laughs> they, they mm-hmm. will not listen yep. about the edict uh, they are trying to three stooges their way into uh, the ascension hall it's not going to work and you're left to go in and clear everything out yourself fuck these guys mm-hmm. yep idiots dumb dums mm-hmm. um, so you go inside and there's some of these resistant leaders uh, their they're main leader uh, and uh, Eb is here mm-hmm. um, and uh, Tarkas Ari is here um, she's defiant. You know, you see basically like, hey, Kiros has the region we've already won. Yeah. You know, yep. we we've dominated culturally, like we've, you know, destroyed your culture. And she's like, that's not true. You know, military <laughs> she, domination she, is is formality, like Yeah. She this accuses is not, me of sophistry. Like it, it really gets yeah. under her skin that I say, Yeah, you use our money and you and like you have our culture. So like we we're just checking up we're just checking a box here. You're making you're you're just making yep. a, a paper thin stand. But this is going to end yep. in combat. Yeah, uh, which it does, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and uh, you have this, this is a tough fight. This is uh, one where different checks in the beginning will get rid of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, the athletics check gives everyone weakened. It like doesn't make anyone leave, but it makes everybody weak initially, which served me pretty well. Yeah, um, you can make the mages run or the archers run mm-hmm. um, as well during this fight. Um, and Eb uh, surrenders. Like when you take down Eb, Eb surrenders, and so does uh, Tarkas R. You don't kill them. Right. Just kill their people. Yeah. Um, it's pretty tough. And, uh, mm-hmm. that leads into the next encounter being pretty tough. If you're on our path here, uh, because for me, fifth, Eye charged in, but ultimately, you know, both fifth, Eye and, uh, I, I think the iron marshal, Aranos. yes, Aranos yeah. came in, um, and they're like, Oh good. Look what you've done. I'm here to save the day. Like, let's do this. And you're mm-hmm. given a choice here. Like you, you can either choose, um, who you want to take credit for this, or you can say, no, you children, none of you should get to do this. This spire is mine, and this is where my kingdom begins. Yep. 
it's it, there are multiple ways to do this. You can also just kind of chide them for coming late. Like you can still ally with them, let them win, mm-hmm. but still stick the, take the spire. Like yeah. the the choices that are betray alliance are clearly marked. Yes, which I really like. It's nothing you're going to accidentally do. Mm-hmm. It's also something where you have more than one chance to do it. Yeah, you can betray the alliance at many articulation points. This is the earliest you can do it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get the full anarchist playthrough, this is where you want to do it. Yeah, um, and. What, because it was the uh, you know the disfavored, I had built up pretty high favor with mm-hmm. them at this point. They were genuinely really surprised. He's like, "Listen, I know the the heat of battle can make somebody make your blood run. You know, let's talk about this." And I'm like, "There's nothing to talk about. Like, I played you like a fiddle. Yeah. Um, you know, you basically can just you know ascribe motivations to your choices you made earlier. Like, mm-hmm. cast all of it into doubt. Yeah. Um, but it gives you two boss battles back to back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hard. Like, I did not fight uh, Fifth Eye. Fifth Eye was not here. Okay. Like that person still lives in my no, game, but I, I fought Iron Marshal Eros. I didn't fight Iron Marshal Eros. I I, I, yeah. I just fought Fifth Eye. And Fifth Eye comes with the mage that is really bad news. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you get unique stuff for this because mm-hmm. depending on who you kill, you get their their things. Yeah. You know, uh, in this. Uh, so this is, you know, extremely, you know, really, really tough. You don't get a chance to heal between battles. Right. Right. Like it is just a back to back battle. Yeah. Um, really, really hard. It took me a couple tries. Uh, then you, uh, you claim the spire, which causes this like big power thing. Like you, you float up in the air, like energy swirls into you, mm-hmm. uh, and you awaken it and you go up to the top of the spire, which these are going to be your strongholds, mm-hmm. uh, for here. Um, but there's some narrative stuff to do, uh, here. Yes. Now that you've fulfilled the edict, you gain that power, you get a little message that says like your power increased, mm-hmm. um, and you can now teleport to the top of this gigantic tower. Mm-hmm. And once you get more towers, which you're going to, you know, we're going to want to want to do, you can teleport between them. This is like a fast travel that you can do. Mm-hmm. And they f- fulfill different functions. Like they're basically buildings. Like this is the library tower. This is the forge tower. This is mm-hmm. the training tower, et cetera. Yes. Um. <laughs> so for me, I had fifth eye like, okay, well, uh, what is our first act as an official rebellion going to be? Uh, I, inst- I opted not to write a letter. I had Lantry take dictation, which increased his yep. fear. Yeah, Lantry <laughs> does not like that. Yep. Uh, and then I took the letter, I stuffed it in Fifth Eye's gauntlet, and then I kicked him off the spire. And I desperately wished that the achievement didn't pop up that say, this is tyranny. Yeah. Um, Achievements are evil. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it someday. <laughs> but like, like, of course they were going to do that. Yeah. The world, what, what universe was that not going to happen? That is the but universe like, we live in. It's unfortunate, it but took, that's where we live. It took this good moment where I was kicking this guy with a message for the entire army down to the bottom, and it turned it into a fucking reference. Yep. Mm. No, I, I hate it there, too, but I, I blame I blame achievements. Yes. Because what, what is it? What good is it? Yeah. What good was having an achievement pop up for doing that thing? Dumb, 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 They're dumb. so horrible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, but I, I love this. He he, he yeah. dies shouting that he'll see me again because he can be replaced. Like he sees him, like he knows that he's just a cog in this. Like the yeah. Scarlet Chorus is not done with you. There are many, many more of me. It's very cool. Yeah. And it's very satisfying. I love the way that this uh, kicking him off looks. Um, like if this were done in a Bioware game or a Bethesda game, this would be a cutscene. Mm-hmm. I much prefer that this all takes place in engine. Yeah. Like you are you are zoomed out from it. Yeah. You just get to see this little body fall. Uh-huh. Um, it's very satisfying yeah. uh, to me. And I don't understand. I don't – there are probably – because you can do other things. You can uh, do the same thing with um, uh, the the good guy, the uh, Airy. Mm-hmm. Tarkus Airy here, you can uh, kick her off. Um, you can just send somebody with the message. Like, I could have sent Iron Marshall back. 
Right. And said, just tell him. But mm-hmm. no, I'm like, I'm going to do the, the cool badass thing that scares all my companions <laughs> um, and is great. And then I love, uh, you know, he goes down there later. You can come down to this area and find his body on the ground and steal his stuff. He's got a really good sword. <laughs> so good. Um, you know, and it's just like, oh, what a good detail. Like, there's this yeah. little corpse down at the bottom. Well, of course. Like, it didn't disappear. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, I did not let Tarkus go. Okay. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, and then Eb is like, I'm basically, I'm out of, you know, I'm out of reasons to fight you. Like, you know, do you need, do you need a Tidecaster? Like, I want to live. <laughs> right. Um, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, I take her on, even though I'm not really using her. Right. I, I, I took her on as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of Act One. Uh, we mm-hmm. we should talk about the Spire a little bit, though, because that's a yeah. whole new system. Uh, this is, you know, a generality to to throw in at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. Like it's a it's a cool system. Um, as you go through and get these to- these towers, there are five of them, uh, in different areas of the world. Um, you can hire people to work at them, mm-hmm. uh, which costs like a, a monthly amount. Like there's a you know overhead mm-hmm. cost for it to have these trainers and stuff. And then the power of that that spire is determined by how many people work there. So, the the third tower I opened up was my library tower. Mm-hmm. My ability to research these artifacts and get these these cool bits of lore and these cool powers and stuff is determined by how many librarians I have, um, which increases my overhead Yeah, that I have. Um, you can change things. You can get different passive bonuses after you rest at Aspire. Um, this is where you can uh, trade out your companions. Um, this is where you have trainers there. You're always going to want to take that money and turn it into experience points. Like every level that you can train, you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a good use of your money. Yeah. Um, and you can set up merchants, including like several unique merchants, mm-hmm. you know, things that like weird magical items and things that are not normal. Yeah. Uh, here. You can unlock different merchants. You can come here by finding them out in the world. Yep. Yeah. You can send people back to your base. Yeah. Um, it just looks incredible to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the the feeling of this. Everyone comments on it, you know, just like how the, the air is like thick with magic. Mm hmm up there and it just looks incredible it would terrify yeah. me i would never do it in real life <laughs> yeah, i don't like no. heights a strong gust right like yeah, ah! a strong gust. yeah people just stand by the edge of this thing in a way that i would like never do in a million years yeah i would only do you that know? if i was you know belayed to, to a central pillar yeah. yes <laughs> but yeah uh it's uh it's it, you know it's it's a pretty big deal and like people will ask you and you can lie about what it's like like you can build mm-hmm. you can build a myth you can build disinformation um, about what the, about what the spire is, uh, you know, what, what's involved and you can pass mm-hmm. checks later on. Like, I don't believe you have to claim all the spires, but you definitely want to. Yeah. There are optional ones, yeah. but they, they're, they're, they're aspects of a base, like having a library, like every spire can only be one thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have all five of the things, you need to get all five of the spires and yeah. you get them slowly. Like mm-hmm. you don't get the fifth one until like well into act two, like mm-hmm. late act two. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so the once this happens, uh, Tunan contacts you and is like, "Hey, report back to the bastard city. That's where where he's located, mm-hmm. and tell me what the fuck's going on." Right. Um, the two factions have fallen into civil war. They're both they've both gone AWOL mm-hmm. from Kiros. Like they're not maintaining Kiros's peace. Right. Um, they flee to opposite sides of the valley. That is our new status quo for Act Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you claim the spire, like as you touch the sculpture at the top of it, you get the sensory overload and there's some very cool descriptions as like you, uh, you are disembodied and flying over the land along these ley lines, along these things called the old walls that were built to contain these things called the Bane, basically elementals, mm-hmm. uh, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and you find the location of like the next spire that you can claim. So that will, yep. um, uh, give you another quest that you have to, that you can follow that you want to follow. 
Uh, but I just love the descriptions as your power grows and as your body and mind change to become a vessel for it. Very good yes. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the old walls are really interesting. Uh, the old walls are uh, this, you know, basically this ancient area of magic and the important, like, you know, it has been become blasphemy to go into the old walls. It is against the law. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the reasons is that is where Kiros found the ability to declare edicts. Yep. <laughs> so it is pretty evident, though that's been centuries that that's been outlawed. Yeah. But you find out later from talking to scholars and stuff via letters, that's why Kiros has outlawed that. Yeah. Keep it locked up. Tight. Um um, so you now, uh, since you are now independent, you can still uh, kind of play at being loyal to Kiros, just being dismissive of the Scarlet Chorus and mm -hmm. the disfavored. Um, Blood Mark contacts you, uh, who is bad news, mm -hmm. the royal executioner, and is uh, in universe scary, um, and sends you a letter basically warning you, um, yeah. like, hey, you know, you don't want to put your head up. This is extremely dangerous. Um, but you notice that the ink is weird on this. Yeah. Um, and again, in cool interface things this game does, which is pure text. Mm -hmm. um, if you hold this up to a candle, it blacks out some of the words. And what remains there, it, you know, it's cool to craft writing that does this. Yeah. Like it seems tricky because it reads naturally both ways. Mm -hmm. um, it is a thing where it's like, hey, I'm impressed. Meet me um, because I have some advice for you. Meet me in person. Yes. Yep, and, um, and that starts the yes man path. <laughs> it starts the yes man path. It puts you down the path of anarchy to you know to upset all of the all of the power, not just mm -hmm. you know not just to advance the cause of these existing powers. And that's the path that both of us have taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's what we'll that's where we're going to leave you. Mm -hmm. um, so we will be back in a week's time to talk about the rest of the game. Um, we won't be talking about systems and stuff, so it'll go a little quicker, mm -hmm. even though there is a lot to talk about. Yes, um, and that. Yeah, I've already found yeah. some really cool stuff that I want to uh, that I want to talk about with you, Gary. Yeah, there's there's a really really great subverting of one of these uh, edicts mm -hmm. that I really love, and most of the stuff in the the burning library. I think the burning library is extremely cool. Yes. Um. The the uh, so yeah. So there's a lot of neat stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. Looking forward to getting to the you know getting through this, talking about more of it. Um. If you have things to say about tyranny, mm -hmm. hit us up at duckfeed.tv/contact. Uh, by December 15th. Yep. Uh, or if you have things to say about Gene Empire. Yes. If you have thoughts about both, please separate them into separate responses. That just makes it easier for us to put the, you know, to put the responses together for the episode. Sorry, my cat is mm -hmm. yelling. Uh, it is dinner time for her. Uh, snack time. It's dinner time for all of us. <laughs> it's dinner time for everybody. Um, yeah. yeah. So, it's dinner time in America. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Tyranny and Jade Empire uh, this month. If you have thoughts about January's games, that deadline is January the 15th. Those games are uh, Dusk, which is a two and a half D, a modern two and a half D shooter uh, for PC. Very excited about that. Kind of a uh, horror uh, action shooter kind of deal. Uh, the Cat Lady, mm -hmm. a game that I'm looking forward to revisiting. Gary, I'm looking forward to you uh, jumping into that. Um, uh, we're also going to be airing our live panel from Portland Retro, Portland Retro Game Expo about uh, hidden gems. And then the premium episode for that month is Shadowrun Dragonfall. So if you have thoughts about any yeah. of those, um, January the 15th is the way to go. Yep. And the premium episode this month is Jade Empire. Yes. So by premium episode, uh, if you give us $5 a month on Patreon, you get the mm -hmm. full episodes of those once yep. a month. Um, we really appreciate it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to support us, if you want to um, sponsor a game, if you want to get extra episodes of things, uh, the way to do that is all through patreon.com slash TV. Yep. Um, it is very appreciated. The other thing you can do for us is leave us ratings or reviews. Yeah. Um, those are really nice. Those hearten us and they help people find us. Yeah. Um, um, and the last thing you can do is tune into Duck Stream. Oh, yeah. 
2019. Duckstream 2019, uh, starting on uh, December the 20th and going through that weekend, 48 hours of streams to support the Transactive Gender Center out of Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Yep, as always. uh, Consistently one of the highlights of my year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very fun. And uh, really looking forward to it. We have some cool things planned, as always. Mm -hmm. And it's a great cause. And uh, and we love being able to... uh, to to do that have the yeah. opportunity yeah so so there yeah. we go um that's the big stuff mm-hmm. yeah uh we really appreciate it uh until next time what should they watch out for cole watch out for achievements that undercut the gravity of, of events and games yeah and if you make games stop doing those yeah i don't care if steam mandates that you have achievements just yeah. have it pop up with like the number one <laughs> please and then just two three four just go through them and then just <laughs> and make them the same the font the same color as the background right and-